This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today, and welcome to episode 33 of Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast. As always, I'm joined by the man with the freshest cut in the business, Lord Cognito. Yo, you, you match me right now. You kind of slick right now. Oh, you kind of yeah? slick. Yeah, I'm a shower right hair, now. baby. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I like this. We both slick right now. But yeah, man, we back. The Dukes are back. A lot of great topics, man. I'm excited for the show today. A lot, lot of, lot of things on the docket that you, mm-hmm. that the beast is cooking. So I'm ready mm-hmm. to, to get into it, man. Dude, I was, I was writing up this show. I was like, wow, another good week. I mean, we're, we're right on the cusp of Gamescom, whether it's Jeff Keighley's show or, of course, Xbox's show. We got some Destiny stuff coming up. I mean, next week's episode, I think we're going to have to arrange a special guest. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna start sending some messages because okay. we are going to have one that pops off indeed. So Let's it's going it. to be a good time. Keep an eye out for that. Yes. For those who want to support our show, just a little bit of general housekeeping. Mm-hmm. Our show goes live for early access on patreon.com slash laststandmedia every Thursday. If you want to listen for free, that's fine. We appreciate you. We love having you around as our show grows. You can listen on Spotify, anywhere you get audio podcasts, Apple, Google, and uh, if you want to listen to the video version or watch us, we are on YouTube as well. Now, for those of you who are patrons, we just did a different type of episode. Uh, we called it the State of Cyberpunk 2077. What's interesting is we, we started chatting about that a little bit. We were mm-hmm. like, yeah, this might be a good topic, right? Because we're, we're about to do our Ascent episode. Of course, yes. whatever shakes out from Gamescom. We're about to have a lot of content to work with. Yes. We had that in-betweener, the awkward teenage phase. <laughs> Defining Duke Ultimate episode. We're like, what are we going to do? And we started talking Cyberpunk, and then all of a sudden they're like, we got this patch. So if you want sort of our thoughts on where the game's at, how Game Pass can really save this game, and overall what CD Projekt Red needs to do, that episode is available to you right yes. now. Please give it a listen. Share your thoughts. Yes. Great episode. Great episode. Very mm-hmm. retrospective and also the yeah. state of what's going on and the mindset. So I, I would highly advise our amazing patrons to go check that out because, yeah, me and Maddie were driving it, man. And it's mm-hmm. some really I good like discussion. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? We were doing it. And it yeah. I really think that um, 
people need to pay attention to the story of this cyberpunk and CD Projekt Red and how this thing is progressing. Very, mm. very interesting. Because you know all the other companies are paying attention. That's oh, what's sort of happening, right? Yeah, definitely. They're taking notes. So definitely. how CD Projekt Red responds will be key to a lot of other companies' mishaps. So that's available to patrons if you're interested. And with that, of course, we thank you all. Once again, mobile ratings have been really going up as, you know, I, I know it's a pain in the butt. So we just really do appreciate those who go out of the way to resubmit or edit their current reviews or just submit new ones, um, letting people know the state of our show now versus, you know, what it once was. It's pretty important just so people coming in know that what they're listening to represents what the show currently is. So thank you to those who have taken the time to do that. But enough of the housekeeping Let's get into a couple of things before we begin with our five warm-up questions. We've got a number of follow-ups here. And these got some laughs out of me, I'm going to be honest. Normally, I'm typing the script. I'm in my zone. You know, I got some music on. I'm just chilling the whole time, maybe watching a Mets game. Uh-huh. This time, they got me laughing, so Yo, let's get into it. Steve Hodges first. Hey, Dukes. Normally, I don't write in because I have nothing interesting to say, but I had to write in on the last episode. Rand was a great guest, but he was way off on one thing. Now, what's funny is Rand tells me he he listens to every episode, so he'll be hearing this. Oh, he'll be hearing this. Yeah, he'll be hearing this. Deep dish pizza is not Chicago-style pizza. Chicago-style is thin crust cut pub-style pizza. Deep dish is tourist pizza. Mm-hmm. I took great offense to this as a fellow Chicagoan and wanted to set the record straight. While I do enjoy deep dish pizza, it's a tourist pizza that I eat maybe once a year, if that. Also, go Hawks. And bears and rest in peace, Cubs. Hope your day is as mediocre as my love life. Yo! Steve. Wow. <laughs> Dude. Go play the Tinder guitar, Steve. You'll 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 find someone. Man. There you go. There you go. This is a fun one. Rand's definitely gonna be hearing this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah he as a they they wanted to pull his Chicago card, man. Mm, they wanted to I take saw a lot of people going for it. They were coming at him. They were like, "How dare you call yeah. yourself a Chicago with that?" But and I got a couple of Chicago fans that don't like that. But he is right about the distinction. There is a difference. What I found funny is um I've kind of stirred well actually we stirred the pot up first me you and ram then i continued it on iop because we had jake baldino on <laughs> i saw i saw he's a pizza connoisseur so yeah. i'm starting trouble i'm making it like a new york chicago thing <laughs> and i'm like chicago pizza i said that's lasagna that's not even pizza so i got baldino in on it and so it's this whole it yo bro it got so crazy mm-hmm. that lou malney malnati's it's like famous in Chicago. Like they are the connoisseurs of the deep dish and the Chicago. The Twitter account tweeted at me. No. And was like, we got to defend the realm. And then they put this, <laughs> oh, I go front. It was a delicious pic- pic- picture of, of deep dish. And I was, I was like, damn, oh. that dude look good. <laughs> like mm. I, normally I don't like that, Jay, but the picture, whether it was stock or whatever, it mm. looked great. So we actually had this friendly thing going on Twitter. Everybody's yeah. getting involved. So salute in, to in this question. De- in your defense, a blind squirrel always finds a nut, right? So, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's some good deep dishes out there, right? But Listen, you got to really look hard to find them. I'm with you. Broken clock is right. Well, you know, twice a day, so. <laughs> <laughs> Take our slices, New York, baby. You already know. <laughs> yeah. Let's see here. We got another one from Eric Clyde. This one, a little bit more um, serious, if you will. Hello, the Mighty Dukes. I just wanted to write and tell you about an interesting phenomenon I witnessed recently. That is the reaction I get from casual or non-gamers to Microsoft Flight Simulator. My wife, 70-year-old parents, and non-gamer friends have been blown away from this game when they fly over when they come over and I fly over their hometowns, high schools, etc. 
The only other gamer thing that comes close to this is when I strap on the Oculus Quest 2 for the first time on someone. I flew my wife to the place we got engaged in Ireland, and she pretty much cried. I was wondering if anyone else has experienced this. Even though the file size is large, I think Flight Simulator will have a permanent spot on my hard drive just to show people the Series X at my house. Thanks for the show. You guys are crushing it. Thank you, Eric. I thought this was kind of interesting because the only time I really had this is, you know, I don't really have a gamer household at all. Like growing up, my brother played a little bit, but uh, he was not super into it. So I've always been the gamer in the house. So I'll just like call my parents in when I'm like, oh, they probably know nothing about this. Maybe they'll think it's cool. Last time I had this was Ghost of Tsushima. My dad loves, you know, good graphics, good color. And so he was like, whoa, what is this, man? I think Flight Simulator would. This is actually a good idea. I might I might take the family on the tour with this one. I've been meaning to download it. This sounds like a good excuse to do so. Yeah, brother. It, I'm so with Eric on that because you know what's crazy? Like two things. One, from the personal side with myself, I'm noticing Flight Simulator is a very, like, it's my last thing I like to do to unwind the, the, my gaming session. So I'll, I'll do a couple of games, and then I'll just go, fl I'll fly over New York, and I literally had an experience where I'm just like, yo, mm. I'm, there's my spot. Or you, I did Yankee Stadium this time. Yeah. I'm like, all right, yeah. I got to do Yankee. And last time I did City Field, you know. And it's just, it's so authentic, that online system. And some of the houses and the advertisements are like, accurate and i'm driving you know going over oh, the neighborhood even, okay i didn't know oh, the advertisements are even in the game yeah i'm seeing advertisements for specific not everything but specific buildings that are very prominent they'll have it and i'm just like yo that's impressive so to his point you know it's a great showcase game it's a great yeah. game to show someone and then think about this like um they like i said those destination trips where you've never been in bora bora all these places and just a fly of it and it really feels like mm -hmm. yo i am here i am there mm -hmm. so it does have that effect and i'm noticing a lot of casual gamers getting into it a lot yeah eric pretty much you're a casual but beyond that you know I hope you enjoy your trip to Italy, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Adam Burns is next, or Barnes, sorry, is next. Hey, lads, last week I wrote in with praise for you both. Today is different. Ooh. There was a lot of joking around and giving each other shit about not having played this or that. It was all good fun. Then the ball dropped. Rand hasn't played Fallout. Cog hasn't played Dead Space. And this is, this is one I got a laugh out of me. Most horrifyingly of all, Maddie hasn't played Resident Evil 4. There's just no excuse. You gotta defend yourself, man. I don't know if I, I don't know if I can, man. I own the game. Like I, I don't think I can. I, I, I planned on playing it this October. Like that's uh -huh. the goal of mine. But I was making my review list, and I got nine, ten games. I think I'm shooting for from now till mm -hmm. uh, December. We're reviewing Psychonauts two right now. Right. And so, you know, we're one out of 10 as it stands. We'll see how it goes. But I'm like, mm, will I have that time in October to squeeze in a little Resident Evil 4? I know it's not a long game, mm -hmm. but it's been on that back burner cog for so, so long. long. I'm, so I'm sitting there. My mindset's like, what's another two months? You know, <laughs> once I get on a vacation. But then once I get there, mm -hmm. will I want that smoke? I don't know. Mm -hmm. So... We'll see. We'll maybe see. I'll, I'll I'll drag Adam along here. Maybe maybe I don't play. I'm just kidding. I do want to play. I have a buddy who, you know, for him, this is his KOTOR. That's how I always define yeah. it. Like, I play KOTOR every year. I'm waiting on that remaster. It's apparently coming. I think they. I heard December. Nice. So, you know, while I wait for that, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I, I haven't played it this year, but I have a mm -hmm. buddy who, like, plays Resident Evil 4 every year, and, like, mm -hmm. he's crazy about it enough where I'm like, all right, I got to see what this is all about. Because yeah. I've played every other Resident Evil game 
but for before. I think that's the gross part. I think that's the gross part. <laughs> and that's the one that everyone is like, yeah. like, like critically engaged. Yeah. No, I feel your pain, man. I mean, it, it looks, it, it's video games, brother. It's it's so mm-hmm. much. And I want to shout out the last, we had a Patreon question before last week. And, um, you know, it was one of those things. The way I look at it is, yes, there's certain things. It's like, yo, I got to play it because I got to know what the hubbub is. Mm-hmm. And then there's certain things where you kind of got to make a business decision because it's like so many things in a close window. And you're yeah. like, damn. There's no way I could do all of this, right? So I gotta mm-hmm. pick. And some some big games, Dead Space was that thing for me. Like it, it, it just it, it came out at a time <laughs> where I had all this other stuff going on, and mm-hmm. I totally understand. But yes, it will get done, and do it how you do it at your, at your leisure, and when you have that those periods of of space before the next big release, and then you get it done. Yeah, yeah, we'll see, right? We'll see. I I plan to maybe because uh, here's the thing, right? I remember Colin on Sacred mm-hmm. Symbols made a promise that he was going to play one JRPG every month, right? Oh, wow. And I was like, that's bull. That's For a guy bull. who's running the business, I was like, yeah. mm, Colin, I don't know about that Ooh, one. I don't, think he, I don't think he's lived up to it. So I'm, <laughs> I'm of the mindset, I don't want to make a false promise, right? I don't want to say it's going to get done. I want to make sure that I know it's getting done, yes. then say it'll get done, right? Yes. Yeah. Same thing. With, I, I have the that's same right. mentality. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> Last, before we begin, right in, goes to Expert B. Hello, Dukes. Was wondering why the controller for Defining Dukes logo is sideways. Thanks for doing the show. You make my walks much more enjoyable. Our pleasure. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to answer this in case anyone else was curious, because it's just a really quick one. Um, this really wasn't my design decision. When we were concepting this show, Dagan sent us literally 200 just mock-ups okay. of like all different things. Like he spared no effort and just giving me tons of options. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the one that stuck out to me. Yeah. I liked it because it was the Duke controller and it was yes. sideways and it kind of reminded me of a D. That's yes. what I was thinking. Yes. So that was sort of the idea with it. It's not supposed to look like a D, but it's mm-hmm. the way the controller is aligned and the way it curves is to resemble as close as possible to a D. Because yeah. if it's just upright, I mean, it just, I don't know, it looks too Xbox branded to me. Yeah, not for you. It, like, like this I is feel. a traditional Xbox branded shirt, right? But mm. I will admit, now that I got my, my, my Duke merch, I will be sporting it. Mm. You will be seeing it. Go. You know what I'm saying? I got my Duke merch is on now. There we go. But um, yeah, I love it. I love it. it, it it's unique. I, it's something that buys a very striking look. And then it's subtle, but it's cool. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's unique. And yeah. then also, I got I got to shout out the home team. I like random side note. I like the the intro music before we start. That little mm-hmm. it's soothing. It's very yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I like the whole combination. The green that the logo. I'm chilling. I'm mm-hmm. good. I love it because in that in that little warm up song, I think there's like the rare achievement pop sound. Yes. Um, there's there's an Xbox yes. notification in there. It's got all of them in there. It's everything, man. Yeah. I like I like the vision, brother. Yeah. That's all. Um. I think it was Ramon. Yes. I, Ramon. I, I was. Yes, I wasn't. Yes. Yeah, I wasn't involved in setting that up. That was mm-hmm. just like Dustin got it. And yeah, I just said, yeah, put a bunch of key Xbox sounds there because I loved what Sacred Symbols did, yeah. right? You could hear all the, the Vita and the yes. and the PlayStation trophies and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let's yeah. let's get that for Xbox. And, That's and easy enough. They say my man ain't Xbox enough. They say he, <laughs> he need to go balls deep and all that. Look at it. Look at that intro. Look at look. See, you see? <laughs> I didn't put it together. Uh, you but, didn't put it together, but you had influence that brains. you liked it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. The brains of the operation, if you will. Maybe not the brains of the show, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into our warm-up questions. We were talking about Xbox shows, so let's let's continue that. Mark Grouch writes in, Gentlemen, I come to you with a question that's plagued my mind for the better part of a year. What the hell happened to Inside Xbox? For those who aren't aware, Inside Xbox was a monthly show hosted by Major Nelson that interacted with the Xbox community and provided updates on many things, ranging from system updates to the car on the cover of the next Forza. 
The show ran from 2018 to mid-2020 and just stopped. There has been no announcement of a cancellation of the show, no updates on if it will return, nothing. Now, I know you and the listeners may be thinking that COVID is the reason this show isn't airing. I assumed this as well until I discovered that they hosted multiple shows even after the world went into lockdown last year. If you boys or anyone knows what the status of this show is, please tell us or write in as I love the energy and community that the show fostered. Apologies that this was long. No need to apologize. Thanks for everything you do. Keep kicking ass, Cog. Now, just a, a little note. The I was looking this up. The last Inside Xbox episode was May 7th, 2020. So what Mark was saying was true. Yeah. Um, that's how long it's been. Since then, we've seen a couple of different formats pop up. We've seen the ID at Xbox Twitch showcase pop up as a, a new form of Xbox delivering game announcements. We've seen them, I think, lean more into social media and Xbox wire posts, sort of getting that, that burst excitement rather than planning out shows. And we still see Xbox continue to engage with the the, the big dogs, if you will. They were at yes. E3. They're going to be at Gamescom. I think it's safe to assume that they will have a presence at the Game Awards, um, whereas PlayStation sort of pulled out of that. I think Xbox sees opportunity there still. I did also note that Larry Herb still runs his own Xbox, official Xbox yes. podcast Pretty every Jeff. day. Yeah, and so that's still there as an available listen. And I'm assuming that inside Xbox just may have fallen to the wayside as something that wasn't as popular and these other forms were connecting to more people and making their brand bigger. But what do you think about all that? I would say something controversial. Okay. <laughs> okay. I love it. I ain't a fan of Inside Xbox. Mm. I've never was. It, 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 look, I get what the mission was, and it, it just wasn't for me. It, it just felt more of a like a, a, a promotional tool, a marketing tool. You know, um, I felt as a hardcore gamer, as a core gamer, it was too many cringy moments, too many, you know, for, like too much personalities. And don't get me wrong, I like a lot of the guys individually, right? Mm -hmm. But I felt like I always struggle when I watch any game show, and this is just not an attack on Inside Xbox, but I always struggle when... I want to see the game. Like, if I'm seeing you too much, then that's a problem. Like, mm, I, the joking, right. Hi, all right, Bill, pass it to you. Like, when it's too <laughs> much, when it's too much of that, like, yeah. as a gamer, it just makes me cringe. So, I, what I really appreciate is this is where I feel Sony does a phenomenal job. Right? Think about Ghost of Tsushima debut. Right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see the tree, the mountainside, the cherry blossoms. You hear Sucker Punch with a soft voice. You know, this is this is what's going on. Da, da, da. You, no personality. <laughs> no pass it to Jim and Becky. Just mm-hmm. show the game. And, and you just look at the wind. Look at this. Look at Like, that's what I want to hear from the mm-hmm. game. Like, as a game, that's what I want to see. So, for me personally, I like the new direction that Xbox is going, which is, mm-hmm. you know, these different type of shows. You know, um, like, we're seeing what's going on now with the showcases and things like that it's less talking yeah they may come out but it's brief the personalities and then they kind of go back to the gameplay so what what do you think about am i being too hard on inside no no not at all i think it's fair i think the same problem with inside xbox carried over to twitch gaming id at xbox though for sure that show just they need to overhaul it as soon as possible because i'm of the mindset and i mean this with no offense to any of the people who host it, but it, they're hurting the games. They are 100% hurting the games. If they're excelling now, right, like these indies are doing really well because of Game Pass, they could be doing better is, is my mindset. And I think just the way they're being presented is making people feel like either it's a drag to get through, which I've sat through two of them in full, it has been, or they just want to go to the highlight reel, which is not what your show should be. It should, you know, once again, if you want to hire these, these Switch hosts to do the show after, like an interview yeah. show, 
that'd be great. But for the sake of not repeating myself again, I just really hope that they consider overhauling that. Otherwise, I kind of like their approach. Uh, it could be a little bit tough for our show when they're not talking as frequently, but yeah. uh, we've made do already, so yeah. that's fine. Beyond that, I think uh, it's good when companies make you yearn a little bit. I think yes. there's a point of too much silence, and there's a point where you're talking too much. And I, I feel like Xbox on the main stages has had a good balance there. Yeah. Their indie side, like I said, it's really the format that's I agree. throwing me off. I agree. Yeah, they make tremendous strides on, on their main platform shows. I completely agree. Just mm -hmm. the indie now is the only you know nitpick, but I agree with you completely. Like I think that it, the tra trajectory on the way they... I've always had an issue with their presentation, and their trajectory with presentation has vastly improved over the years because I've yeah. always been hard on them in the past. Yeah. They had the gameplay showcase, which was just like a complete misbranding yeah. as well, but... I think they they've responded well since then. You know, it can yes. hang over them a little bit, but they have they have made it clear every time, like what they did with Gamescom, saying like this is twenty twenty one games, no new announcements or surprises, just updates. Yep, setting expectation correctly. Yeah, exactly, and that's really important. Mm -hmm. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So with that, let's get into number two. Randy Rhodes writes in, Hey, Lord Matty and Mr. Cognito. With the talk about Phil Spencer and PlayStation-style games, which we'll get into in our first news bullet, which of Xbox's three staple genres would you slice the output in half for more of those third-person story-driven action-adventure games? And which four games out of the list would you remove? Now, Cog, I'm really looking forward to your answer to this because hashtag just one has been your thing, but here we go. So this is for the audience to play in a little bit too. They can mm -hmm. do a little thought exercise here. Mm -hmm. Let's start off with Western RPGs where Randy lists Avowed, Starfield, Fable, The Outer Worlds 2, Elder Scrolls 6, Elder Scrolls Online, Fallout 76, and Project Dragon. Meanwhile, first person games, we got Halo Infinite, Starfield, Redfall, Avowed, Perfect Dark, Grounded, Ghostwire, Tokyo, and Deathloop, or mm -hmm. online competitive slash cooperative games, Halo Infinite, Sea of Thieves, Forza Horizon 5 slash Motorsport, Everwild, Redfall, Grounded, State of Decay 3, and Fable. All right. This is tough. Randy, why are you doing this to me? Y'all know Keep I'm hashtag just one. Well, all right, <laughs> caveat. Cog is not with taking resources off. Yeah. And Cog is not with this. So let's just be clear. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this for the sake of your question and the yeah. danger. Yep, yep, All yep. Right. Same here. Okay. Same here. <laughs> this is fairly easy for me in the sense that Western RPGs, I'm not touching. That oh, is Oh fuck. I'm not I'm not touching that because my thing oh, is Oh, I thought you meant I'm not like I'm not playing those games. Okay. Oh okay, no, 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 no. We here though. I meant to say this like, all those games. No, no, no. We yeah. here, bro. We here. So the whole thing with those is like I leave them be. 
I, that is the new genre that y'all boasted that mm. y'all desperately needed at Xbox, right? Leave them alone. We will not pull resources for them. Then I look at online competitive and cooperative games, right? All those mm. there. And I say, gotta leave it. And the reason why you gotta leave those is because, with, in my opinion, with Game Pass in the model, those games really sit well. Which then leads me to first person. Oh no! Yeah, I might, I might, because he look, he put me under pressure. Randy put me no, under pressure. No, that's fine. That's fine. I didn't want to do this, right? But mm-hmm. I gotta be honest. In my opinion, Xbox is synonymous as the shooter box, as the yeah. first person. So if I'm gonna pull resources, if you're putting a gun in my head to pull resources to get the third party narrative drama game, the hashtag mm-hmm. just one. Then I'm, I'm gonna go first person because y'all got an abundance, man. Right. What uh, what four games? I'm making you pick four. I might. That's a little high of a number, that's to be hard. honest, based, based on what's listed. And he forgot Doom for first person, yeah. but I mean, right. can you pick four? Yeah, this? I, 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 can pick, I, I can pick uh, at least three. One that I, I got clowned that it's actually successful. Sorry, Obsidian. Y'all know I love y'all. Obsidian, you know mm-hmm. I love y'all. Mm-hmm. Right, and I know what Grounded is doing, and it's not for me. But if you, this is my decision, and I'm yeah. home, yeah, you're, grounded. You're, you're, yeah, you're Cog Spencer here. Here we go. Yeah, Cog Spencer is going to say grounded. <laughs> Ghostwire Ghost, Ghost Tokyo, I kind of cooled on. I, when mm. I first saw it, I was like, ooh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. then the second showing, I was like, mm, not mm-hmm. so much. So it might be too. Deathloop, we leave it alone. I like Deathloop. I like when mm-hmm. I see the gotcha. Halo Infinite, of course, stuff that I'm, I'm not touching. Which leads me to something very controversial. Um, Redfall, if I don't get in touch, we know that. Yeah, um, no, no, man, no. We leaving that. That's sacred. That's sacred yeah. ground. I'm a, I ain't gonna lie. I, I, uh, perfect dark. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why. As much as I want people to get their baby back, I was a little disappointed, Maddie. You know when why? it got announced? Yeah, because I I'm like, that. you know why? I'm like, remember they were like, quadruple A studio, the mm-hmm. initiative. And I'm thinking new IP. I'm mm-hmm. thinking hashtag just one. Third yeah, per- I, I get that. And I was just like, okay, there is a demand for that. People do want that. It's a, it's a franchise. But I could have went, I could have went another direction if you ask mm-hmm. me. So that, that's my, that's, if gun in my head, those are my tough choices. I got to know. Where are you cutting the funding? Where is Maddie Spencer cutting the funding? All right. So obviously, I don't think it requires much explanation why I would not even put a finger on Western RPGs. I would be like, y'all are fine. You're safe. You got all the cash right now. Exactly. So that points me in two genres here, a first person and online competitive slash cooperative games. Now, I think you're, you got me thinking with the first person. You're like, yeah, you know, it's the shooter box. I think the games on first person are a little bit of an easier choice because mm-hmm. especially you pull those back a little bit and you get third person in exchange. It's like, all right, we got a better balance here. Mm-hmm. But just oh. in the core and my Ooh. DNA, I'm making a single player box is what I'm making. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making a single player box Max here. Spencer, go ahead. So online competitive cooperative games is getting the axe right now. I'm coming in saying y'all need to start making single player games. Rare, you're off Sea of Thieves. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You're off Sea of Thieves. Mm. Forza, go work on Fable. Oh, That's all I'm telling them. The comment section going to get you. Yeah, this. they're oh, coming for me. I, I, I know. This Forza, is a no win. Forza hated Maddie's best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Floors has got to go. Damn. It's got to be winding down. You know, this is the, look. This is my brand now, right? You true. can tell me that you can tell me Forza is the is is what grows Game Pass. I'm gonna tell you Fable's next to grow Game Pass. That's mm. what I'm gonna say to you as Maddie Spencer. Okay. Everwild, you've taken too long. I, I begged and pleaded for you to show up two E3s in a row. It's time. I'm with you. So so rare's effectively like <laughs> just, <laughs> just I put them out of business <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Damn. And then uh I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put no, my uh, my no, reticle on Maddie, grounded. No. Oh, ooh, you say yeah. I, I thought you was looking at State of Decay. I was like, Maddie, no, 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 don't no, you no. do that. Come on no. now. No, I love I love State of Decay, man. No, no, no. That's not okay. getting touched. I was actually gonna go for Redfall. I was like, Y'all got too many IP. Someone's gonna be burnt at some point down the line. But I was like, you know what? I understand arcane situation. They gotta find a winner here. Mm -hmm. Obsidian, you found a lot of winners. It's time to to let grounded. We're gonna sunset that. We're gonna focus on a vow. We're gonna focus on a new fallout. Woo! And we're gonna put you on a new fallout. This is what Maddie Spencer's game plan is. We're going back into that Western RPG thing. I mean, dude, I'm single player you. box coming your way. This is why you. I do a show and not <laughs> on Xbox. <laughs> but then again, you. once again, you and I both said at the top, it was like we're not gonna pull these resources. We're gonna of find course. a way to to fuel these other games. Thanks, but of course, of course. Put a game to our head, our gun to our head. That's these are the games we're gonna pick. Tough decisions, man. Shout out to Randy making us make these tough choices. Yeah, that was a good one. That was good. Number three comes from Neo JD. I wanted to throw this in here because the Call of Duty reveal, of course, it happens the day after we record our show, so we won't be able to talk about it here in this episode. But just to get some general impressions in and not stretch it out too much in a topic in the news part, let's talk about it here. So he writes, hey guys, first off, I got to ask Cog, what's up with all the Lords and Realm talk and such? How did that get started? I'm actually curious about the, the backstory of that. You yeah. said 2018s when it started, but mm -hmm. onto his gaming question with Call of Duty Vanguard being officially confirmed and set to be revealed this week. What's your hype level so far? Personally, I've fallen off of COD since Black Ops 3, but I still try to follow the reveals until I get my hands on the beta and see if they ever get the gameplay back to my liking again. So let's let's start off, of course, with the COG lore here. Yeah. How did the lords, the realm talk, like where did mm -hmm. this all come from? Because I remember, I got to be honest with you, when you first invited me on the show, I was like, it's recording on Sunday. They're saying it's the Lord's Day. I'm like, there's a religious overtone here, but <laughs> but then I'm hearing like there's some destiny connections, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So let's let's yeah. hear it. It's it's a good one. It's a good one. Shout out to Addict. Um, we're big destiny fans. And um I would go to if I ever go to court, Addict would win the court case because I tried to say I'm the one that created the name, all right, Lord's <laughs> Podcast, and that whole stuff. He's like, No, God, it was us. So it was right around the time Rise of Iron Destiny DLC comes out. Right. So everything's Iron Lord, this, Iron Lord, that. Then you got Game of Thrones going on and it's hey, right? Mm, Lord gotcha. this, Lord that. Right. So we, we're in the vibe. Right. So that's the first part. And then with the realm thing, I mean, well, the podcast obviously being on a Sunday was the only day we could do. People thought we were crazy. It was like, who does a podcast on a Sunday? But then I <laughs> thought about it. I was like, yo, it kind of fits the Lord's yeah. Day. And then it just yeah. started to work. So it was like right around that time. And then the, the final thing as far as like, you know, getting people, the way we look at it is like this, right? We feel in gaming, everything is so damn negative. Everyone's like, you know, hating on each other. Where we from, like, I like the geeks. Like, I'm like, I'm a geek myself, you're mm -hmm. a geek. So you're a lord at what you do, right? And if you're a content creator, if you're a developer or any of that such, well, you come in there, well, you're gonna be respected. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Where, where however, as long as you love game and you're passionate about it, you're going to be respected. So that's where it's more of a kinship of gamers and, and celebrating the people that we respect on what they do. Because I feel a lot of times, Maddie, to be honest with you, like, especially devs, like, they, as much as we complain, like, 
we they don't get enough credit for these experiences that 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 we're making that we love. We could critique, we could be petty, but that's what it is. So it's just more of a respecting each other as a fellow gamer. Sure. But shout out to Neil for the question because yeah, that that's kind of like the gist of it. Absolutely, man. It's a, it's a good mantra to build your show off of because you know what people always misinterpret. I think is like I think I have a pretty optimistic channel, but it has never stopped me from being critical. And I think right. if anything, it makes your critique much more impactful than if you're bitching up a storm constantly. If you come out when you're like the more you know, like uplifting guy compared to everyone else, you probably just look uplifting mm -hmm. and you're like, this sucks. And it's like, well, if he's saying it sucks, then the whole weight. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So I think there's more power in that. I, cause you know, I'm a big believer in like the idea that with in our position, right? We're lucky to have a platform. You want to make sure like you have an impact with your words um, and you don't misuse that impact. So um, it teaches you to wield the, the platform with responsibility. Yeah. La so, last point is that yeah, game for me, gaming is the ultimate unifier. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing we always try to get across. Doesn't matter what's going on with you. Like I said, politics, religion, sexuality, none of that stuff matters. If you pick up a controller and you're a gamer, you are a brother and sister effectively. And we got that respect for you. Yeah. Unless you're a Forza fan. Then. Unless you're a Forza yeah. fan. And Maddie's done <laughs> cut the studio and make first party game. Yeah. Or if you work at Rare, apparently. I, I was I was coming for him. Yeah, you, you went in. I liked it. <laughs> Uh, anyway, the second part of his question was about Call of Duty Vanguard, so it got a reveal, uh, an announcement rather this week. By the time listeners have this show in their hands, they'll have already seen the reveal and everything, so we'll keep it light and easy here, and we'll talk about it more next week. Where are you at with excitement and anticipation for Call of Duty? Okay, <sighs> mm that's all I need to hear. <laughs> I just, I had my run during the respawn, the Infinity Ward era, you know, I had my run. Okay. It's addicting. Don't get me wrong. These games are addicting. It's fun. But when you're a Destiny fan, you could only be a slave to one. And then the other thing, I, I'm just tired of four scores seven years ago. And that like that's why Battlefield has me this time. Because I'm like, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to be in a modern setting. You know what I mean? Levolution and all that. And then when I seen Vanguard, I'm like, eh. So yeah, I'm I'm I've kind of cool. The only thing I still would play COD for would be like when they do zombies stuff like that. I thought that's sure. fun. It's, a, it's always a cool little romp. I used to be heavy into it. Don't get me wrong, like search and destroy. Like I was the guy. Perks do do all that stuff, but yeah, it just it, it's just such a rinse and repeat formula with the annual thing. And I'm just I'm burnt out, Maddie, with it. But are you still kind it out? What you what you doing, man? I played Black Ops Cold War last year. The multiplayer wasn't crazy about. I loved the campaign. I still Ooh. really stand by the idea that, that campaign was good. That doesn't surprise me. It came from, uh, I have to double check the studio name. I believe it's Raven Software. Mm -hmm. They had worked on Singularity. Okay. And that game was phenomenal. Very much inspired by Bioshock. Had a couple of endings. Mm -hmm. Really good first person shooter. Cool powers to play with. Right. And it just did a game. It never got its attention. Then they got. Uh, delegated as a, a support studio for cod finally they had the chance to make something of their own and i think they maximized the opportunity but as the cod cycle goes around we won't get to them for a while and even they as much as i enjoyed the campaign fall into the same like you know we got to have our high action michael bay moment here yeah yeah and yeah. they tried to play around with some cool like optional mechanics there's this mission where i believe you're in like a russian embassy i want to say there's a lot of ways you can approach the mission. I'm like, yo, okay. they could take this and amplify it a little bit more. I mean, that's kind of the feeling I was left with. I was like, they could do something really good with COD campaigns if they actually took the time. But I understand the drag is multiplayer. 
which is where, like I said, I've fallen off from. I'm, I, you know, I used to play competitively for this. I used to, Ooh. I used to make money in high school playing competitive Ooh. Call of Duty. That was like part time job for me. Nice. I, yeah, I used to play it a lot, and I was, I'd say, pretty good at it. And I just burnt out. I eventually just stopped. I was like, I'm done. I'm gonna go play single player games. I remember saying it, and that was like a thing back then because Call of Duty dominated the YouTube space oh, so much yes. that, like, when I made a declaration, I was like, I'm gonna make single player videos. Nowadays, it, you don't even label it like that. You're just making mm -hmm. video game content. But back then, um, this was like, what, when I started my channel, 2010, 2011, mm -hmm. you know, this was at a time where that was something a little bit more significant. So for me with Call of Duty Vanguard, I don't really have that World War II hankering okay. that, or, or, or whatever it's said, honestly. But I just, I don't have the hankering for this like boots on the ground game. I'm, I'm very interested in Halo, which is going to feel fresh and new after all these years and certainly striking at the right time. And like you said, Battlefield. I just think the dynamic elements of that map look, uh, or I'm sorry, of that gameplay, not the map, look so appealing. And yes. then you throw in Battlefield Portal, <sighs> which taps into games that I grew up on and were almost more impactful, I'd say, than Call of Duty, like mm -hmm. Bad Company 2, Woo! Battlefield 3. Mm. Those games were monumental to me. Yes, to me, that is infinitely more exciting than Activision strolling out another Call of Duty, the same DLC release cycle. I've said it for a while. I do. Th I don't think Call of Duty will ever die. I don't think it'll ever die. But I do think there's going to come a time where people are going to get tired of it. Yes. I do think there's going to. You know, I, I think when that happens, it's still going to be successful on the sales chart. It's still going to pop. Mm -hmm. It's Call of Duty. That's why I said it's never going to die. But I think there's going to come a time where it's going to sort of start to be overtaken by other competitors. And I think Halo has a chance to be the start of it. We have a great write-in in a little bit that kind of mm -hmm. taps into that. But I just think ultimately uh, COD, I've sort of fallen off the excitement for it. I will play it at times, you know, depending on the setting. Like you know, for me with Vanguard and its time period, I have not seen them get creative with that setting ever when it came yeah. to the campaign, which to me is a draw. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, my, my, my interest in COD's way. Yeah. I'm not my final really crazy. I'm with you. My final point is just that I just you said it best. Like I, I just want I want to miss it. Like I mm -hmm. because of that 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 structure and to, the only thing I will give them is I did like Warzone when I tried it, mm -hmm. and I'm obviously I'm not huge into battle royal like that, but I felt it was a polished experience, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, they did a good job. Yeah, Call of Duty gunplay graphically it looked strong because as much as you know PUBG set the space graphically it wasn't you know mm -hmm. what it was <laughs> you know what I mean so I, I felt they did some really good things there so that I will give a shot but yeah I, I'm with you I just I think at some point like I said the others if they they continue to improve and do it they will at least challenge and put a dent in them a little bit and, and there will be some people getting like yeah tired of it of a level this a year bit. will be its biggest test i guess you know it's, it, they're kind of going back to a very familiar place this will be the real test on how much strength as a brand by the way call of duty has because if they come out and they're like topping charts again they're dominating you know they're, they're it's going to be a while before their role slows because you've got two really strong competitors coming out at the same time so we'll see but ultimately i sit in the side of the the fence where i'm just like not really crazy excited and yeah. if it surprises me it surprises me that was kind of yeah. what was great about black ops cold war i didn't really yes. care mm -hmm. i just liked the developer i was really interested on that front but that was it all right steve forgione also asks about a topic that we're not dedicating a full se uh, section to in our news but i want to talk about it anyway i saw you playing it last night 
Hey boys, now that the Avengers Black Panther expansion is out, will it push the needle for the game in terms of player support? Every time I think about picking up the game for cheap, I'm reminded that Xbox players will be missing content due to Sony's ownership of the Spider-Man character. I know it's only movie rights, but it's obvious game implications from the looks of it too. This is on top of the game already having a lukewarm reception and an art style that looks like it's just a budget MCU. <laughs> I personally think the ship has sailed on the game unless it goes free-to-play, which I highly doubt, but I'd love to see this expansion be a step in the right direction for the game. Take care. P.S. The game's state on Xbox appears dire, as it hasn't appeared in the top 50 games played in months, where even Xbox 360 games like Skate 3 break through on the list, which is actually very impressive. Yeah. Kog, I saw you playing this game. Yes. I got questions. Number yes. one, of course, how is it? But number two, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, man? Bro, I, I, they, they got me, man. They mm -hmm. got okay. me because I was like, nope, I'm done. I already see what this is. And I saw that. I saw the Black Panther trailer. Of course. Yeah. And I'm like, they kind of did it right, bro. Mm -hmm. The voice acting is exceptional. I believe my man Chris Judge from um, God of War. Yeah. yeah. And and it, it's it's a true homage to the character. The thing I will give them is this. Sure. They needed to just be a single player traditional game. I don't know why they added to try to be in the looter space and trying to add those. Because it doesn't need it. The problem with the game has been the end game. The narrative is actually good. And then the thing that they do very well, Maddie, that I like is they make you feel each character has a distinct personality and play style and grounded in the abilities of mm -hmm. that. So if you're a fan like me, if you're a fanboy of like MCU and superheroes and that comic booky kind of stuff, from an authenticity of powers, not not look. I agree I agree with Steven. Some yeah, of the looks, look. some of them had that 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 party city Avengers look like they look <laughs> like they got the suit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like some dudes. We, all right, but not Black Panther. No, Black Panther. I, and another, I gotta say this. I'm gonna say something real spicy. Mm -hmm. Graphically, this game, at least the Black Panther, amazing. Like it looks like a next gen tie. It, the skin textures on the suit, the eyes. Like I'm sitting there mm -hmm. looking at the backdrop of Wakanda and the HDR, and the, I'm like. This game is beautiful. Like, it is a beautiful game. You play it for the lore, you get in, you get out, and that's it. All that tacked on co-op, that's my main issue. Because they try to sell it like it was a co-op game, and it's really not. It, you that's have right. to basically go to a hub where it spoils the single-player missions, and then they're tacked on, forced, only some co-op missions. And it just doesn't play well as a looter. So just play it as a single-player. I agree. It needs to go either free-to-play Game Pass or something mm -hmm. because they're Game dying Pass, out man. here. Yeah, yeah. but and I, I'm curious to see the Spider-Man thing because I will say this. Yeah. They get the essence of, the, if you're a fan of comic book geek lore and all that, oh, they got it down. They got mm -hmm. it down. Like, this is the essence of Black Panther, the essence of all the characters that they include and the stories are, are well told. The narratives are good. Yeah, I remember I was really on top of this game covering it before its launch because I was just like, this is going to be a disaster, right? When I saw those Verizon costumes, I was like, oh, <gasps> my God, man, what is <laughs> happening? And and they were like, you could tell like Square Enix was just taking table scraps to try to get this game profitable, and it bombed, yeah. as I think it should have. I'm sorry. There's no offense to if any of the devs are listening to mm, it, I but it, it, I don't think it was really a lack of effort i think it was more so a emphasis on indecisiveness it was two games melded together uh you could tell it was a single player game and then a multiplayer game afterwards yep and that didn't really look or feel all that great 
I'd be curious to know how people think the expansion adds to the game beyond the story because I feel this story was acceptable. Yeah, definitely wasn't good in my opinion, but it was acceptable. But I, I, I'm very interested to see if the zone they add and the recurrent content they add amends any issues because this is their first big one. And I do think this game has the chance to have legs where when you start to get more and more characters in there, you know, everyone's waiting on Spider-Man. Yeah. The way they took so long for Black Panther in this expansion, though, yeah. I'm a little worried about when they drop Spider-Man. If that only comes to one side of the fence, I mean, yeah. that's a dangerous play for a already dying game. So. Yeah. I got to wonder how they're going to handle that. Will they add a new zone for everybody in the playable character of Spider-Man will only be available to PlayStation. It's kind of like the legs of the game is getting these new characters in and they are not getting them in as quick as people expected. So I think they, they got to figure something out on that as well. Cause that is going to be a very, very tough spot to be in and, and reignite some people. Cause I, that game yeah. was also very buggy. Yes. Very, very, very buggy. Yes. It was yes. not ready it needed more time mm-hmm. and uh, they forced it out. It was just, I own it. I, I, I have it sit on my shelf, like ready to rock and roll when it's, when it's good to go. Unfortunately I had it on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And so like the way you get the next gen update and stuff and, and oh. transfer your save oh. file over my PS4 is not hooked up. I'm just like, Oh yeah, God. So mess. it's, it's got to really do something. That, and I'm a Spider-Man fanboy, So that's probably oh, their best shot, right? They got you. That's, that's why, you. That, that's why I got, it on PlayStation, but mm-hmm. then they were, I think that was supposed to be around the launch and man, they still don't got it there. So I don't know what happened with Spider-Man, but it's going to be really, really, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah. I, I don't know how they get out of this one. I don't. Yeah, me neither. I think you just get in, you get out, and you do yeah. your single player stuff, your Spidey, and then and you dip. Like, well, me, me and Carrick used to do this a lot. Man, let's check the Steam player count for Avengers. Ooh, pull up the numbers. You pull up yeah, the receipts on the numbers. So, um, okay. Uh, all right. Hmm, let's see here. What's it looking like? Uh, uh, all right. So, its peak players in July mm-hmm. was 10,000. And its peak players so far for this month has been 10,224. Ooh. Uh, in the last... 43 minutes, uh, 24 hours would probably be a better mm-hmm. gauge. 4,850 players were on Steam. I don't know, man. Just like... Yeah, it's spooky. It, we're not going to sugarcoat it. It's spooky. The only thing I think they did service them, I think they said it's free if you... Because they went through a free-to-play thing for a minute, but they said the expansion is free if you own it already, so mm-hmm. you didn't have to pay for the expansion, but... Yeah, man, I'm just... I'm, I'm looking at their their drop-off. They went from launch month, a peak mm-hmm. of 28,000 with an average of 7,000 players. Yeah. And then listen to these drops off, drop-offs. One month after launch, 1,400. Two months after Ooh. launch, 843. Damn. 888. Jesus. January, 536. 419. Then in March, it pops up 935. Then it, mm-hmm. it goes back down all the way to it, it decreases consistently all the way till June, where it goes to 578 average players. And then these last two months, it's popped back up where uh, technically now it's doing the best it has been mm-hmm. since the launch period of the game. Right. But dude, when your average player base is 1,800, I mean, that's not, I'm, not, I'm sorry, I got to go down the rabbit hole just a little no, bit more. Destiny 2. Yeah. Destiny 2. I'll talk it. Oh my gosh! Oh my yeah. gosh! Talk, talk it. Last talk it. hour, forty-three thousand seven hundred. Mm. I mean, Destiny's dead. Why are you still playing a dead game, Cognito? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Uh, the Damn. numbers. Mm-hmm. 
Mm, go for them. Yeah, go for them. All right, number five. Walter Bully writes in, AO Defining Dukes, writing in my pitch for the biggest announcement that I think will come out of Gamescom. I know we were told to te temper expectations, but I think my predictions fall within their metrics. Tell me what you think. Battlefield 2042, day one Game Pass. I think Xbox will cut the check to EA, solidify that partnership. EA gets far more players on their live service in the Xbox ecosystem and will get the double dip in the PlayStation ecosystem. EA has talked recently about viewing this new Battlefield as a platform. What better way to start it off? Thanks for the content, guys. And you are all giving me way too many 40-degree days. All right. Cog. Let's get it. I got to hop in on this one. Let's get it. Go. I support Walter. Mm. I support Walter. Let's go. Here's why. We talked about this being a real test for COD. You got Halo. We talked about like Halo should not be afraid of COD. You want to kill off COD and make them because you know here's the thing. Clearly Xbox cares. Clearly Xbox is looking at Call of Duty like yo, you're a threat because they're like we're waiting to see what their release date is and then we'll announce our Halo release date. So I'm sure at Gamescom, I, I think it's pretty much guaranteed now. We got COD reveal happen this week. I think even if it wasn't in their plans, they're going to add in that Halo release date. Feel so. Yep. So when they're paying so close attention to COD, my thought process is yo, you got Halo. Go get Battlefield Day 1 and make everyone look at you and go, wait, so I can download for free Halo, play mm. online, and then if I'm a Game Pass subscriber, which is really cheap, I can get Battlefield. And you're telling me I can get this double first-person shooter mix, or fix, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Why am I going to go play COD? Why am I going to pay $70 for this? Whatever system you're on. like This, to me, is a clear investment to just, it, it would not hurt Halo, as far as I'm concerned, mm -hmm. but this is a clear investment that would make your system or multiple devices right. the place to go for mm. this fall's first-person shooters. Mm. And it would not be Call of Duty, which you are viewing as the biggest threat. I think this is the way you put the whole player base in those games as, as much as you possibly can. You take them away from COD. And I know that feels all about like, we want the gaming world to come together. <laughs> we want to... <laughs> the Kumbaya. Yeah, yeah. But well, I respect that. I get what he's saying. I think he's telling the truth when he says that. But... It does not mean you can't make a savvy business decision to better your platform, mm. right? He did not make Xbox this competitive by being a nice guy. So I think this is it. I think this is a play. I, mm. I, I, I don't think it's good. I don't know if it'll happen, but I think it's on the table. I think okay. it's very possible they look into it. Do you think it's too far-fetched? No, I don't think it's too far-fetched that it's on the table. I'm just, my concern is this, because everything you said, it makes sense, right? This like is the game to do it, right? Multiplayer only, right? Mm -hmm. You already got the good relationship with EA Play and those games in there, right? Yeah, it writes itself almost. It, it really makes sense. that To me, the only reason why this doesn't get done is if EA tries to overvalue it. And, and, sure. and, to, and to their credit, this is the battlefield that a lot of hardcore battlefield fans want. And I think they know it. So I think it only comes down to does because we're going to talk about game pass structure and deals later on right mm -hmm. but does it make sense for ea to say okay if we put it in game pass we want this level of a bag mm -hmm. and that's the question is microsoft willing to go really far with it because ea could say hey you know we could put this thing out there we'll do fine and then maybe a little later in the cycle Mm -hmm. Then we do the Game Pass deal, which is kind of traditional with how they usually do, um, like, their big releases, Madden and stuff. You know, yeah. it's not day one and date on, on, in Game Pass. So I could see that scenario, but I'm with you. 
if I'm Microsoft, I want this. You yes. put this thing in Game Pass day and date. Call of Duty is in trouble. Like that. That's just mm -hmm. a fact. Like it, automatically, you have that ecosystem. You, it's a perfect fit from an engagement standpoint and a multiplayer right. only standpoint. So yeah, I think it sells itself in, in that respect. The, the question is going to come down to the financials. Does EA get Good too point. greedy? You know what I'm saying? But I, yeah, I, I'm with I, you, man. Of course, I'm biased because I want it. But yeah. if I'm Xbox, and of course, I'm a great leader at Xbox because yeah. I'm going to be taking Rare out. I'm going to be taking Forza out. So clearly, I know what I'm doing. But if I'm man, looking at this, I would pay what they're asking mm. because I feel like you get somewhere significantly this fall with that combo package. And we're not talking about, you know, I joked about it, but Forza is going to be in there. We're talking about Age of Empire going to be in there. Xbox, I think, and plus you got back for Blood Day One. Mm-hmm. I think you are set up to have one of the best falls we've seen from Xbox for a while if I they agree. complete it with this deal. And look, now the, Dice has been saying like Xbox is the main platform for mm -hmm. or, or something like that, the preferred platform for Battlefield. They've said some type of yes. wording similar mm -hmm. to that. I'm not an exact quote, but right. they've said Xbox is is a focus for them. Yes, yes. And I feel like some seeds were planted there. Mm. They had okay. a trailer at the E3 showcase, one of the three games that did not have a, a Game Pass date on it, alongside Diablo 2, and I'm forgetting the other one. Mm -hmm. I feel like with EA seemingly really liking Game Pass, being that they are rolling their own subscription service, EA Play, into Game Pass, I just feel like there's got to at least be talks. And yeah, now's a good time for that, right? I think it would make sense as an E3 announcement but like, if they plan this out where like they get a pop at Gamescom too, brilliant. Yeah. Like if if they actually mapped it out this way, because it's the great it's great timing for it. Yeah, you got me thinking too because um I'm looking at release date cadences right, mm -hmm. and it would theoretically if they did it give get like the fall for Xbox would be so strong because October's Game Pass game would be Battlefield. How mm -hmm. crazy is that? Then and November, back for blood. And back for month. blood, right? They, and you want to drive some screen. You could be right. It could be, to Microsoft, to your point, it could be worth that investment to slightly overpay because the the end of the year, you're going to get so many people to sign up for the service just for Battlefield, Back for Blood, October. Forza, yeah. potentially Halo, November. That's killer. That's mm -hmm. I think it's also a little bit of strategy to evolve too because maybe EA says, okay, we'll do it. But maybe they'll pull an Outriders. And remember, Outriders, we didn't know about that until very close to release. Yeah, yeah, then, exactly. So maybe EA says, well, let's get the physical pre-orders. Mm -hmm. let, yeah, let them <laughs> sign up, right? And That's 100% something EA would do. <laughs> yeah, you know this EA. And then yeah. like, okay, by the way, we're ready to do it now like a week or two. But yeah. you already got that pre-order money for the most part. They, they got some ways to play with it. But yeah. you, you're selling me. You're selling me. Because I know the price. In my that's opinion, a really price, good point, though, on why they, not to cut you off, but that's yeah. why they may hold back on it, right? Yes. If they are going to do this, that's that's a really strong point as to why they might hold back. Get mm -hmm. all those pre-orders. Because it's it's a convincing purchase right now, yeah. right? You look at it and you're like, yeah, this I want to play this. Yes. So you make a really valid point. Yeah, this is good. It's gonna be. I, I like charting mm -hmm. this stuff. They, they, I mm -hmm. want to see what happens. It, I'm a it, believer. That's all. It I'm could saying. happen. It could very well happen. Mm -hmm. I, I, everything, everything you're saying is within the realm of possibility. It's just gonna be the timing. I feel it's definitely going to happen. It's just the timing. When mm -hmm. do they do they do back and forth? Fax the truck up, mm -hmm. or is it like like a little like couple of months after? When that's the question. Yeah, I agree entirely. 
All right. Well, with that, thank you, Walter, for writing in for that exciting topic. Thank you, everyone who wrote in. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Let's get it started with our news. It begins with Phil Spencer, who spoke this week, which means we do have news. Kicking things off, fan suspicions on the compatibility of Steam Deck and xCloud has been quelled. In a tweet, Phil posted a photo of Valve's newly announced handheld with Xbox Game Pass streaming loaded up on it, showing that this may be the brand's answer to handheld gaming. The caption reads, Was at Valve Software this week talking with Scott, Eric, Gabe about Steam Deck. After having mine most of the week, I can say it's a really nice device. Games with me on the go, screen size controls, all great. Playing Halo and Age feels good. xCloud works well. Congrats, SD team. Ooh. Ooh. We got some more. On a separate note, he took an interview with Games Radar, which labeled some familiar beats. His team's pledge to his strength found within a diverse portfolio, that gaming is everywhere, the devices they can reach through the cloud. You've heard stuff like this before. Yep. Curiously, the interview took a sharp turn into captivating territory as he was asked about the consistent design of PlayStation's blockbuster titles. Quote, our strategy is not just to go be like someone else, he says. I get a push sometimes of where's your version of this or that game? I've been in this industry for a long time. I have a ton of respect for creators on all platforms, and I know many, many of them. But it's good for doing something different than what other platforms are doing. We're not in the business of just trying to create a green version of somebody else's blue or red colored platform. That's not the example of creativity that I want to see in the games industry, end quote. The interviewer pressed Phil's Nintendo button multiple times thereafter until an answer was coughed out, quote, you know, it's the right answer because people usually ask me about releasing one individual game or another. And what I say is I want the full Xbox experience to be something that we deliver. We have no plans to bring it to any other kind of closed platforms right now, mainly because those closed platforms don't want something like Game Pass. There's a ton of open platforms out there for us to grow in, the web, PC, and mobile, so all of our focus, frankly, is on those platforms. That's not a slam to anybody else who has a system that works for them. I can see why the disruption of Game Pass is not something they want right now, end quote. <laughs> mm, we, got, we got a lot to we go through lot. here. Let's start from the top. Because it's probably the simplest. Steam Deck and yes. Xbox Game Pass streaming compatibility has been confirmed. xCloud mm. works great on this device as we were hoping for. Does this get you a little bit more interested in that Steam Deck knowing oh. we got a little Xbox handheld in the making? Listen, he, he know what this, Phil know, Phil know what he doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I told people, I was like, look, man, if Val's going to do the work, it's to your interest to align with them. And I love it. I love it. I love that he's using the platform. I love that um, he's promoting xCloud. He's, and also what I like about it is that, to me, this sets up the stage for that hardware, physical, inter that local integration from an OS standpoint. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately what I think me and you both want as well. Because I, I'm just looking at it as a local what you call a game pass device as well you know sure. so if you work with them on an os level right because i believe it's linux that they're using it, yes. it, it the potential is is really strong i love to see him embracing that and to me that that sets good up sign. relations but good sign. how did you how did you take it 
Uh, of course, King Handheld here. Very excited by this. What was great is when I saw this, I was not surprised. I expected this, and I think that's a good sign of not to uh, pat them on the back too strongly here, but it's really a good sign of the leadership at Xbox. Like, you looked at the Steam Deck, and one of my first points of excitement was the potential Xbox could find within it. And I'm happy that they felt the same and immediately got on it. And just a couple months later are like, yeah, this thing works great with our technology because it's good for Valve, but it they understand why Xbox gamers would be interested. What I'm wondering is because Valve said like, hey, we got the whole setup here that you can take and then make your own. Gotta wonder if Xbox is ever going to take that opportunity and make their own handheld uh, device. I just, I feel like more and more as time goes on, it makes sense and you know, Phil's all about getting stuff on other devices. As we just read, you know, he he didn't really word it like they don't want to put Game Pass on other devices. He's like, I understand how the disruption of Game Pass is something they don't want right now. Right. So all I'm saying is he like if you could get xCloud and Game Pass games on your Steam Deck and Microsoft does their own dedicated Xbox handheld, <laughs> that's great. That's right. Awesome. That's great for him. That's, that's the type awesome. of vision he's been pushing for a while. Like there's not too many, there's not a limited amount of devices to fill. So I like that they've embraced this. Yes. It makes me very excited. Hearing age works great on this and feels great on this to me is very uplifting because this is a game I thought of. I was like, yeah, you know, that's the type of game I want to play, but I don't want to be posted up like this on my <laughs> keyboard and a mouse, man. You know, my shoulders start to lock, elbow <laughs> stiffens up. I'm just like, oh, I'm in my workstation again. I... Yeah. I totally think that is the most relieving part of all of this is hearing yes. like, yo, you can play Age of Empires on your steam deck oh so yeah, yeah. That, that was, that was super exciting. promising love to mm -hmm. hear that love to hear and the was it the second part yeah you know with the platforms um you know i'd still think in a perfect world if you ask them he he wants to have game pass everywhere that that i i, I always gonna feel that it's just that right now it is like you said too disruptive that there's really what's the benefit of the other platforms putting it on there? it's not enough benefit and the user base isn't to where it's Basically, when you have the numbers to say, okay, if we have set 50 million plus subscribers on Game Pass, then it's more compelling to do that. And even so, you know, I had this conversation, shout out to Miles uh, Dompierre, I was on the show, I had this conversation with him that you would have to make a curated list. You can't have Game Pass in its current state that has third party games on a platform like a PlayStation and a Switch, which mm -hmm. also have that because then you're negating that, you know, their physical sales on, on that on that level. So it would have to be kind of like an Xbox first party only curated version to then yeah. even even entertain the idea, right? So that, that's what I was thinking. So I think, in again, but this could be long off. I know Microsoft wants it, right? Mm -hmm. The key is sure. Sony, you know, right now there's no reason for them to play ball with Microsoft and Nintendo, you know, who knows? But I, I will say this last point. I don't believe Nintendo's all the way out of it yet. No, they're they're 100% what's, I think out of the three big consoles, I guess four now it's Steam four Deck. Now, you know, I, fe I feel like Nintendo is going to be the first domino that falls. I agree. I, I fully believe, look, I know it's uh, Phil Shelf Watch. Mm -hmm. He, the man playing chat, there's a reason you got to switch. Don't give me that, you know, oh, I, you know, it just happened to be there. No, we seen the looting statue thing with the, and we know Kojima mm -hmm. with the letter of intent. Phil, I know what you're doing. It's just things may take longer than I think wrote. if you want to even dismiss Phil's switch on his shelf, look mm -hmm. at the one with Sarah Bond in a professional studio where it's just like these random shelves are there and there's a switch. And I'm like, y'all are talking to him. Yeah. And, and not only that, we literally have leaked emails where Phil... Openly went, 
yeah, we're not giving up yet on bringing Game Pass to other consoles. Exactly. So they're trying. And I think that, yeah, Nintendo will likely be the first to fall because where do they stand to gain? I think my answer to that would be the exclusives that you don't have through streaming. Mm -hmm. If they announce their new Switch, which I think that's around the timing they'll they'll do Mm -hmm. all this because... They do need a better wireless adapter in there. That Ethernet needs to be a built-in for everybody. I mean, there's a lot of online infrastructure that it's going to rely on. And I think Mm -hmm. if you can get xCloud going in a much much more functional way, that Game Pass will thrive on the Switch. And what they get in turn are those exclusives that they would never have otherwise. Oh, absolutely. Not not only from like, let's make a deal type of standpoint, but they would never have them really, I think, in in the first place just because of how their console lacks the power to do so and the worker would take to get it onto the switch. Maybe you make a sacrifice like that for, I don't know, Halo Master Chief Collection. You bring that there. That would be huge. But beyond that, I don't think Nintendo will have these games. So yeah, I, th- I think they stand to benefit the most. PlayStation, it's really like if Xbox continues to gobble up studios like we keep hearing they're going to, mm-hmm. then I think that forces PlayStation's hand. So we'll see on that front. I, obviously, PlayStation will probably be last due to that you made a good point last point i want to say with with uh switch is that we've seen you know cloud versions of control cloud versions of they've been playing in that online cloud space because let's be real as the generations go on the gap between that tegra chip that's in the switch is just not be able to do third-party ports so to Mm -hmm. see them in to to kind of play with that space to me fits well with x cloud and it fits well with some type of azure server deal to help their backbone and their infrastructure because as much as you know sony may not want gamepad sony understands that their infrastructure wasn't on the cloud level, strong enough to compete for a long-term deal, you know, long-term mm-hmm. viability. Thus, thus they partnered with Microsoft when they did the uh, the whole camera lens thing for your right. Azure servers and, thing. Yeah. And here's the thing, right? Is mm-hmm. is it seems like Xbox is pretty focused on getting people into Game Pass, not forcing you to buy a console. Correct. So that's where Xbox gains by, of course, getting it on the Switch as yes. well. Is is just I the agree. idea that you know the obvious buy-in and and. Nintendo can even benefit from the idea that, hey, maybe people don't want Nintendo games, but they're going to buy our system to play what few Nintendo games they're interested in Mm -hmm. and mostly Xbox games. Yeah, I agree. You know, I I just I feel like there's there's too much crossover there that a lot of potential really benefit. Yeah. So I, I strongly believe teasing aside, Nintendo just makes the most sense from a partnership standpoint. We've seen them playing nice for a while. What do you make of Xbox uh, and Phil Spencer saying they don't want to just be the green version of a, a red or blue yeah, platform? You know, it. this is kind of tapping into when they were talking about the likes of Horizon Zero Dawn and these third per- Ghost of Tsushima, third person open world games, all kind of cut from the same cloth, but mm-hmm. different flavors, different personalities. And that's Phil's response to that is he's not trying to do what others are doing. Uh, I think you'll still get your one. Like my, my, my money's on Indiana Jones being your one. That's where I'm. In okay. my head, I'm like, I think that'll be Cog's one game. You know, that's okay. gonna be the Uncharted style experience because that's what I think Uncharted was really built off of. With that in mind, though, as Team Just won, yes. what do you think of Green Version not being <laughs> too interested in playing that game? Yeah, I got like, at first when I read the the the, the salacious headline, I was, I was in my feelings at first. Oh, of course, I was just a little emotional. I was like, "What's Phil talking about?" Let me go read this article. <laughs> <laughs> so I read the article and I kind of calmed down. All right, here's the deal. You know, I don't. I think it's taken out of context. A lot of the headlines, I think, that ran with it. You know, 
his overall point is, look, we have what we do, which is this diverse lineup of games and obviously the Game Pass and all that stuff, right? Mm. What Sony does is what Sony does and Nintendo does what they do. But what I think he's saying is we're not going to now overtly change the direction, kind of like what Randy's question was earlier, and say, hey, all you studios got to make the third party hashtag mm. just one style of game. Mm. He's not doing that. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's what this is. You know, it's more of, it's, it's I am a firm believer it's going to happen, right? And this is saying that, not saying that he doesn't want those type of games. It's just that that's not going to be the core focus for the entire of entirety of Xbox Game Studios. Sure. That's what that means to me. But I, I firmly believe it's going to happen, whether it be the Indiana Jones. I think I'm going to get multiple ones, to be honest. You know, Compulsion, I think maybe on there, you know, mm-hmm. on that list, they've kind of yeah. alluded that when they were on our show. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I just think he means as an overall messaging mantra, not, you know, it's never, we're never going to have those type games on the platform. That's all. Yeah. I agree. I think you put it perfectly there where it's hard for me to to even add to that. I, I just feel when you look at their once they added Bethesda, I felt like you saw the circle sort of get complete, right? You know, you had a lot of you had Gears third person shooter, you had Halo first person shooter, you had a racing game, but then you suddenly with Bethesda have added stealth, horror, open world, RPGs, online games, MMO like You've added a whole new thing, uh, set of games to your portfolio. Mm-hmm. That's why I think these acquisitions are going to be key because it may not be a Xbox game studio in the traditional sense, right? Like some of the OGs or the yeah. you know the purchases that happened in 2018 that have been in there for a while and are more synonymous with that Xbox brand. I think you know when you start to get more studios in the mix, you might start to find more of those. I also forgot almost Hellblade. I think Hellblade will be another one of those just one games yeah. for sure. It's, no, no. Gotta I got to cut you for one second because no, I got to clarify my just one because people will get mixed mm-hmm. up. Now, Cog's just one is a little different because technically what you're saying is true. Hellblade technically is that, you know, possibly Indiana Jones. But that the Cognito hashtag just one is right. new IP of mm-hmm. that. See, how Ghost of Tsushima is a new IP, the new character, you know, Jin Sakai. Like, they need, I feel they need a new IP. Because Hellblade gotcha. is definitely going to be that. Like, Hellblade is going to be amazing in that space. I know it. I just want new protagonists for the generation. You know what I mean? Gotcha. To, 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 gotcha. A, a new mascot, a new face, a new, you know, sure. like, you know, they got Drake over there. You got a- Alloy with Horizon Zero Dawn. So you don't want to see like a transformation. Like, let's say Fable, right, is this big third person open world epic. You're not looking at it like that's my just one. You yeah. want like you want. Uh, oh, let's see. What's the name of this here? Gimars. Yeah. Gimars Gim- is. The, yeah. Yeah. Gim- you got your- we want the new Gimar drink. Yeah. <laughs> he the face. Yeah. And that's like the new guy who's in yes. town. Yes. Okay. I got you. That's my got only you. thing. Cause again, you know, I know they're going to have the genre, but it, I, I think that was what was lacking in the Xbox one gen. It really mm-hmm. bothered me. They didn't have everything I felt was a rehash of something existing. Mm-hmm. And I just want some new faces, man. I, I think they could do it. And but what, for what I'm hearing for the Cognito hashtag, just one, I'm hearing compulsion might be, might mm-hmm. be that thing, might be that thing, man. We're going to pay compulsion. attention. I believe in compulsion more than I probably should. I just, I think we happy few had such spectacular promise Mm -hmm. and on a universe level, I think it was so well realized. It's Mm -hmm. just its execution on a number of fronts wasn't good, but man, I think what they do now with a budget, 
because it's clear that they made a lot of procedural generated content because they yes. didn't have a budget even with yes. gearbox helping publish it it's clear they were very limited but man Man, when they got money in their pocket now, I am excited, excited. to see what they do. Same, same. I'm keeping tabs on Composure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think they're going to surprise people. They're going to surprise me because, like, I always I, I think of them when we talk about them. I get excited. I try to keep them in my mind. But sometimes, like, when I'm having that general Xbox conversation, because mm-hmm. they've been quiet for so long, it's just that they, they, they exit as quickly as they enter. So yep. I agree. This headline caught a lot of people's attention. So let's get right into it. Xbox Game Pass has rarely been the receiver of pushback in our industry as it's commonly lauded for its pricing incredible additions to its library and ease of access however outriders the game that really kickstarted the third party day one game pass excitement has brought some enlightening results to the table in a post on developer people can fly's investor website the team explains an agreement made with square enix that the team would receive royalties for its sales from the first quarter by august 16 2021 suggesting that quote according to the publisher the revenue from the sales of the game are lower than the total cost of its production including quality assurance distribution and promotion end quote The message also dives into the estimates of the sales of the title. Quote, we don't have any sales figures for Outriders. We estimated at between two and three million units and assumed that this was a result that would ensure profitability for the project in the first quarter of sales. The lack of payment by publisher probably means that, according to Square Enix, this is not the case. End quote. The suggestion made in the investor write-up is what led to headlines across the industry. A lack of profitability could be caused by the publisher, including distribution partnerships like Xbox Game Pass, or that Square Enix spent more money than expected on releasing the game. This very well may be a Square Enix problem, however, as in 2017, Yoko Taro, director of Nier Automata, said the following in regards to a remake of the original Nier, which now we all know as the remaster Nier Replicant. Quote, I've said this before and I'll say it again, but I just want you all to know, after surpassing a million, by the way, a million in sales for Nier Automata, I haven't seen any money for it, he said. Executive producer Yosuke Saito, who was also present for the interview, claimed that he hadn't been paid either. Michael Buffle writes in, Hey Dukes, People Can Fly has come out and said that they have not yet received royalties for Outriders from Square Enix, suggesting the game has not turned a profit. With Outriders releasing day one on Game Pass, do you think this may have hurt their overall sales, or is this just a case of a game that flat out missed the mark? It has a 74 rating on Metacritic. Thanks for all the content you guys do. Cog, do you mind if I take lead on this? Yes, please. I'm of the mindset. I played Outriders for a preview in August, and I was like, this game is fun. This game's got a lot of potential, but it needs work. It needed a lot of balancing work. And as it got that work, and they did their demo, people were not really thrilled with it. They thought it was a pretty neutral game, I think, the way Mm -hmm. it was received. Then Game Pass came along. The first big third party, day one, you don't got to buy this. You only got to be in our service, comes along. And this game is in the minds of everyone now. Based off its release date, based off the timing, it just struck right. And there was a surprise factor there of going, what, day one? Like, I didn't think it would get to this point. Mm -hmm. And I'm of the mindset that while I enjoyed Outriders, it's not come from a hater standpoint, even after Mm -hmm. I put 40 hours in the game, really liked it, but also from the standpoint, I, I played it back in August and liked it. I think Outriders would not have even come close to profitability if it weren't Mm. for Game Pass. Mm. And that while they weren't profitable anyways, if it were not for Game Pass, they would not have come close because people heard about it, started talking about it, started streaming it. I think it carried over to PlayStation. It charted really well on Xbox, as we've seen in stats in the past, where we've 
seeing the numbers on where Outriders was when it debuted in its month of release. Mm-hmm. Square Enix separately also said that this was a game that they were really happy with the results from Game Pass and that it yeah. is, quote, worked favorably for them, end quote, which to me clearly says that this game looked dead in the water to Square Enix. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were saying, oh, man, we invested big on this. This is looking like a million sales tops. Mm-hmm. It is a, a work in your favor if they suddenly are now getting projections of two, three million sales versus the one that they were looking at. That's a major difference in getting your money back. And also, That's sorry, good. I don't mean to steal all the no, thunder no, no, here. I love it. Keep going. Keep going. People forget Game Pass is not responsible for a poor launch. Oh, I thought, but I thought, I thought Game Pass was the reason that. <laughs> It flopped and it's, it's the death of the industry. That's what yeah. I see. On the, no. Twitter, Twitter told me. No, because that's the thing, man. I was like, I was reading it. I was, I was like, people are really going to blame Game Pass for this. And yeah. I don't know how when, if the, it doesn't matter what I even say. It doesn't matter what anyone's saying. When Square Enix is going, yeah, we're happy with this. It worked in our favor. That's all that matters. Yeah. And when you see Sega saying it, you see 2K, not 2K, right. but like you see, a lot of companies just coming out and saying how it's worked favorably for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, at what point are we just kind of arguing for the sake of arguing? Well, this well, topic it, got me a little fired up, so please, no, I'm before I keep you, bro, talking. It's just like, it's exhausting to see certain narratives being pushed by certain groups who, for whatever reason, have a bone to pick with the whole Game Pass thing. And I said it for the record, I'll say it again. If hypothetically, if Microsoft makes no money doing this, right? Hypothetically, if this does not benefit any developer, even though the developers and publishers keep doing deals with them, but fine, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, if this is the death of the industry, it's like, as a gamer, right? You should care about what benefits you, right? And if gamers, if it benefited them to play Outriders day one and day, on on day and date when this thing launched, then fine, right? So that's my first major frustration with the whole thing. Right. Then the second thing is I looked at the comments, right? And I feel people, again, didn't read the article. When you look at it, people can fly and say, hey, we don't know how mm-hmm. much we made, right? Like, mm-hmm. we don't, we, we, we think two million to three million, right? When I hear that, that to me is a discrepancy between the publisher and the dev. This is Square Enix, and people can fly, right? The way I understand Game Pass to work is that Square Enix goes to Microsoft or vice versa, right? And an agreement and an arrangement is made based on projection, right? Every Game Pass is diff- deals different. But from my understanding, there, there is uh, an allotment to what they think this thing is going to do. And we are not privy to that number. Mm-hmm. They may have come in with a lowball number they, uh, or a highball. We don't know. We don't know how much they pocketed. And if, again, what's negotiated between people can fly and Square Enix, right? Yep. So that's another thing. You got, you're talking residuals. There's a lot here we don't know. But I just feel it's so lazy to just say, yo, Game Pass is the reason why that thing you know, flop. That's the reason. This is hurting it. And see, this is proof that that, 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 that the structure, the model is bad for developers. And that's not what is being said in the information. And the last point I'll say too is, um, this is a multi-plat, right? This is a multi-plat. We've seen the initial numbers from Steam. We've seen Square Enix 
you know, scream from the high heavens initially in the launch that it was strong, that it did well. Now, to your point, you made a fantastic point, which is the game itself, right? Now, I am team looter shooter. I am team destiny. Mm-hmm. I remember when this thing came out, I'm like, yo, strong gameplay loop. This looks like something I'm going to get get into, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's two aspects of this game. One, it is not the traditional looter like a Destiny where it wants you to keep coming back. There is a finite endpoint with Outriders. And they're fine with that. But that also means, yeah, you know, that a lot a of certain, things right. Right. At a certain point, engagement is going to stop because there's an end, right? Yeah. The second point, now I got to get crazy. <laughs> I had major problems with this game. And I'm the nicest guy on Twitter. You know me, Maddie. Like, I'm super positive guy, nice guy. Mm-hmm. I don't complain to devs when games get crazy. But this one, I had to get at them, bro. It was, it's a looter shooter game, and I have, my loot is gone. Yeah. I log in, and then my man is in his boxers. <laughs> <laughs> bro. Like, and, and, and here's the thing. Mad people are affected by it. And we're like, yo, how it's bad enough you stop my loot's going. Why I can't log into the game and why I look like that. So it, I couldn't even play the game, Maddie, mm-hmm. for over a month. I try to be yeah. patient. I send messages. It got so bad. Full disclosure, I'm going to tell you. The community manager unfollowed me. Uh, and let me tell you why. Here's, 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 here's the fun part, right? Not to get too messy because we can get a little messy now. But uh, here's good. the thing. All I said is for the first two, people were like, Cock, why are you still even trying to play that game? I said, nope. It's a looter shooter. I know how this goes. Give it a week or two. They got to work out the kinks, the online thing. Okay, cool. Couple more weeks went by. I'm like, hey, Outriders, what's the update on the patch? The patch kept getting delayed. It kept getting delayed. Now it's like a month. I can't log in. I can't even play the I just want to finish the game. I was mm-hmm. 75% no, about 60% through the game. I just want to get it done, right? right and I enjoyed right. it. That's how much I loved Outriders. I still wanted to Dude. play it. Yeah. So again, I basically, I, I, I reached a boiling point. I took a, a video, Xbox record that, of my login process to the failure, to the error. Mad people were tweeting back, Cog, I got the same problem. I can't get in either, right? Mm-hmm. I said, people can fly. Like, hey, is there anything you can do? It got so bad, Paul Tassie hit me. And he's like, hey, man, I see you're still going through a lot of people. Do you mind if I use your information in my article? Because people were still going. It's like months after and Outriders is still a buggy mess. You can't tell me that this doesn't also play into a factor as far as long-term sales success. Yeah. Many people were having issues. The cross-play was horrible, horrible yes. causing yeah. issues. So we got to look at this thing and the totality of issues. To, to me, to sit there and say Game Pass is the sole reason why this game, quote unquote, flopped, so to speak, or didn't do as well as they you know wanted it to do, fine. But the other, the last point is also the transparency between Square and People Can Fly, because yep. as you said, when near Automata, mm-hmm. they were in a situation they didn't get their numbers. So is this a Square issue right. where they're not either telling people or the payment setup is not? transparent enough where people don't know when they get it like th- this is these are deeper issues than that but i'll let you go because i got more to stay on this but yeah, yeah this is what no and i i think you've you've summed it up perfectly and the only thing i can really add to is the frustration you feel as a creator when you know the community manager you know i don't care who follows me or unfollows me but when when someone who's involved in you relaying information to them about their game 
unfollows you when you've been critical of it. It happened with me with Bethesda yeah. with 76. You know, Bethesda I worked with extensively mm-hmm. and they kind of just dropped me entirely when I when I came at 76 pretty hard as mm-hmm. what I think was completely reasonable. I was one of the few people who was not screaming tear it all down, but yeah. like just as a disappointed fan. And um Square Enix even with with Avengers, I was very much like, what are you guys doing? And they they just flat out just went cold on me. No yeah, email response no even answer. to this day. And to me, all that says is that you've not gotten my feedback. All you've labeled me as is like someone who's toxic or I'm just negative as you go and love the product. And I see them tweet and posting like, oh, this is so good. I love this thing. Look how good this is. Like, dude, take your head out of the ditch. All right. And let's smell the the, the roses. All right. Mm-hmm. This is what's actually happening in your game. So on a personal level, I can just say I totally get that. The frustration yeah. that's there is is met when I'm that met. happens because it's like in real quick this, no please because the thing that frustrated me maddie was that i just i'm not even i just said i just want the correct show me the correct way to 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 actually voice where do i get help or they, they're not even pointing me in a direction say hey go to this forum go to this just tell me if you feel me tweeting about it and sending a screenshot and i'm adding you like hey when am i and all i said is hey when are we going to get an update on this it's been over a month i can't log into mm-hmm. this game yeah. I paid for this game. I just want to yeah. play it. I can't log in. Continue. And that's the thing is it was a testament to how fun the game was, right? Because me and Colin had a, a spoiler cast review discussion on it, and we both found it incredibly enjoyable. Oh, yeah. Um, and what a lot of people forget is, like, there, there, as you mentioned, there were times where you could not sign in. And for me, usually that is, like, I'm not an online server, dude. Everyone knows that. Like, I, I know. like my single player. Fire it up. Play it. Dude, I stuck through it with this game to beat it. All of that bullshit. Many people mm-hmm. did because it mm-hmm. was legitimately the cycle of gameplay and the powers, the abilities, I thought were so fun. Yes. It was worth it. I agree. But it didn't make it less frustrating. And hey, let's not forget one thing. This type of launch with its server problems, its inventory wipes, and also just through the hands of people can fly the post-launch changes they made to classes oh, nerfing stuff, which yeah. people are like, why would you nerf stuff in a, in a game that's like, why? It's PVE. Two why are you nerfing in. me? That's yes. unheard of in looter shooters. That yeah, was early. Right. Not like, a good choice. game ain't fixed, but you out here nerfing stuff? Could yeah, <laughs> exactly. This came four months after Cyberpunk. People don't forget that fast. Gamers never forget. So when they start to hear... I don't know why I said here when I sniffed, but you smell them <laughs> bugs. You smell them bugs, and you're like, hmm, I just heard about what happened with Cyberpunk. Maybe I'll wait for a couple of patches. Yeah, your game's not going to do that well. So I feel I'm right there with you. I think it's pretty ignorant to suggest immediately it's only Game Pass. Hey, look, I'm one of those people who played 40 hours, did not end up buying it. You know, I bought it afterwards, I'm saying, but like most people aren't like me. When you play it to completion, you're not going to buy it to support the dev or whatever or or to do diligence for your content creation. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's just one of those things where I'm sure there's a small factor there of people who played and didn't buy. Right. But once again, the the relevance it brought to the table there, yeah, I, I think would have been much more shrunken down without I Game agree. Pass in the mix. I agree. Completely agree. Great topic. Good question. Absolutely. Let's get into number three, a little bit of a quicker one. QuakeCon 2021 begins this Thursday in... Just like with Call of Duty and a couple other things, free listeners, it has already happened for you. Leaked on Bethesda's own schedule for the show is what is referred to as a, quote, revitalized quake, end quote. And then the post reads, 
Quake is back in this special stream. John Linneman from Digital Foundry talks to Jerk Gustafson of Machine Games about the title's iconic legacy and what it means to both of them. The pair will also discuss the additional content Machine Games have contributed to this revitalized edition. So we got Bethesda getting into some sort of a remaster bag, if you will. Mm-hmm. What do you uh, what do you make of Quake coming back? It's interesting. I'm, I'm curious. I'm a huge fan of John. John's the homie. Shout out to Digital Foundry. Um, yeah, I, I want to see what they got cooking. They remaster. The, to me, the most thing that's interesting. I want to throw it back to you. Mm. Is Machine Games. Mm-hmm. That part's interesting to me. Like. I don't know, like, what what do you think, like, them making the, the additional content? This, this I, I, didn't, I didn't see that coming, that one. No, this was, to me, when I made my video on this, the biggest surprise. I was like, Machine Games? I mean, they, they said back in, like, 2018, I want to say, we were doing Wolfenstein 3. They, as in, like, Pete Hines or Bethesda yeah. in general, had stated this was coming. Then you get Indiana Jones. You know they worked on Youngblood, which came out in 2019, yeah. even though it was, like, co-developed. Now you got this. Ooh. I mean, it's 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 kind of strange. I, I don't know. It, it's leading me to believe more and more that whatever happened with Wolfenstein Three got shut down. Yeah, it's the only way I can go. I don't have any sources on it. I'm gonna do my digging and and mm-hmm. try to find out. But I'm looking at this from the the point of view of like, they are they still making this? And if they are, then mm-hmm. the question goes: How far out is Indiana Jones? How early did you announce that? Right. I imagine a revitalized edition of Quake. It doesn't sound like a remake, yeah. right? So I'm imagining this probably looks strongly similar to the original, maybe like heavily modded. Um, they added a new level to Quake back in 2016, I believe it was. So maybe they've done more with the game here. What's interesting is I was doing some digging, and Jerk Gustafson is a mega Quake fan. Yeah. Uh, I was actually reading a um, Ask Me Anything on Reddit from a couple of years ago, okay. and he was saying how it would be a dream for him to go back to the original Quake, uh-huh. a dream project he's always wanted. You know, because it, it was important to him. You know, it, they said like the building of the maps and replaying it over and over. It's his favorite game ever, and like just going back and being able to remaster it was was something he he would say is a is a bucket list type of wow. dream for him. So I'm very excited from that front. You got yes. a guy who literally is like that, you know, this is my favorite thing. And um now he's working on it. So I'm very curious to see what they end up doing with it by the time once again this is live for everyone, they'll have already seen. But uh I'm not expecting a crazy amount, but yeah, like you said, machine games on this is definitely the more eyebrow raising moment of all this. Do you mm-hmm. think do you think this means that uh something spelling a little bit of trouble for Wolfenstein three? I, I would believe that if the resources are here, yeah, it, it, it to me it feels like it, it. It almost feels like it's taking a break. It almost feels like that that because we got the Indiana Jones thing, we hear this, which I was very surprised with. So yeah, like I I, I don't get the sense that Wolf and Thr- Sign is is, is going to be very immediate, <laughs> you know. So that, that's just mm-hmm. my my gut. That's what my guts. I have no factual information. It's just I was very surprised to see Machine Games you know, associated with this. But now that you're doing the digging and you're telling me about Jerk Gustafson, you know, I do like when I hear, put it this way, for Quake's sake, I love hearing that because that to me shows there's going to be a level of passion and care associated because it's a beloved thing. It almost reminds me of when we had our discussion with um, the guys from Bloober and the medium. Regardless of how we feel, you always like to hear that the dev is super sure. passionate and is a fan of, like a super fanboy of something they're going to be working on. Mm-hmm. 
I want to just add this in here about mm-hmm. Wolfenstein 3 to get, get the it. exact information. So speaking to UK outlet Metro mm-hmm. during Gamescom two years ago, here's what Pete Dine said about Wolfenstein 3. He said, yeah, sure. Absolutely, we're making a Wolfenstein 3. They said on stage that they're taking a break from the larger story to do this thing, but we still all have to see how that ends. And this was in right. response to Wolfenstein Cyberpilot. So this was right. like an in-betweener or whatever game. Then, speaking in an interview with GameSpot, this was mm-hmm. June this year. I apologize to our, our audience because I had completely missed this. I think this oh, is important it. information. Yeah, this is good. Let's go. Does this Pete Hines was asked specifically about machine games and whether or not the studio might still be working on Wolfenstein's franchise as a whole. Hines said that for now, the studio is still in the very early stages of working on its new Indiana Jones project. Mm-hmm. However, he also hinted that the studio might be working on something else, possibly involving Wolfenstein. Quote, mm-hmm. where we are for Wolfenstein, or quite honestly, any other franchise that we don't have announced plans on, we'll have to wait until we get to the point of wanting to talk about it, end quote. Hines mm-hmm. explained. So he was a little bit more dodgier than saying, like, yeah, we absolutely are. Right. Yeah. And says, while Heinz didn't confirm that Wolfenstein 3 is in development, he did express that he's just as big of a fan of the series as many others are. Quote, you can put me at the head of the list of people who want to see another Wolfenstein game, so no worries there, end quote. Yeah. I mean, it it just says to me that they're not killing it, but it just, I still don't get the sense that, you know, it's immediate, right? It Mm -hmm. it still feels like there's still a couple of other things ahead of the line. That's the vibe I get from the corporate marketing speech. Yeah, it's... Yeah, they're in an interesting position. It seems like they're kind of letting machine games go with where they want to be, if that makes sense. They're not saying make another Wolfenstein. And I I think they are in a similar spot as uh, Arcane was, where Arcane, once again, I've said it multiple times, it's just not made profitable games. And Wolfenstein wasn't profitable either. That's a good point. And And so, good point. Indiana Jones, I, I can't fathom that game not being profitable to some extent but avengers has taught me that it's not always a slam dunk <laughs> true true it's not very, always a guarantee very, very, true, very true but i just have to think that you know there's a good chance that this game is profitable compared to the other ip they've worked on so maybe that's why they've they've leaned this way as well there's a business decision behind it obviously mm, i have to imagine there's passion there too but just something worth tossing out there yeah. excited to see what this new version of quake is did you have any history with quake i haven't played much of it not much. I mean, I, not as much. Wolfenstein's more my bag, so I was mm-hmm. I was curious to see what they do in there. But yeah. um, yeah, I, I'm actually I will say this though. I'm going to watch that because um, I want to see what they do with it, how it looks. You know, what I'm saying in a next gen kind of setting and what what really goes on. So, and Linneman is my guy, so I'm dying to see what mm-hmm. they're cooking up because these guys are super pumped and you know, for, for yeah, especially like. Digital Foundry with like their their tech analysis yes. side of oh. things i'm curious what that means with that combination right like yes. what are they going to be showing off that demands someone who mm. knows as much as someone like john yeah i speak to john. maybe i'm over analyzing it but i no, just no. think i think it could be possible that gotta, there's more john in the realm of the dukes man he's a good dude i would like that yeah no complaints here on that i'll definitely make it happen number four developer kit fox recently released their most successful game yet boyfriend dungeon and has come <laughs> under fire recently it is a dungeon-crawling dating sim where you can wield your romantic partners as weapons, and if that sounds like your thing, then it's available to you through Xbox Game Pass right now. Since release, things have spiraled out of control a bit. The game provides an initial content warning, but some didn't feel prepared for the dark topics the game would delve into. This led to the team updating their content warning and posting the following tweet. Quote, 
The content warning for Boyfriend Dungeon inadequately I'm sorry, describes the events of stalking and emotional manipulation that exist in the story. We'll update the game next week with a more accurate content warning. We apologize for any hurt um, is inflicted by our mistake. Thank you for playing, end quote. Now players are attempting to take matters into their own hands by demanding the team remove portions of the game or even adding opt-outs for moments that make them feel somewhat uncomfortable. It has led to the harassment of one of the main actors, Alexander Gross, who had to take to Twitter. Quote, hey, I can't believe I have to address this, but please don't send me hate messages about my character in Boyfriend Dungeon. I know he sucks, but I'm just his voice actor. Please be respectful. Saying it reflects poorly on me to play a character like this is so confusing. There's bad people out there. I don't support what these kinds of people are doing, saying, thinking at all. It's just acting, y'all. End quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Wanted sure. to get into this one for sure. Yeah. Asked you late last night. I was like, yo, you want to get into this? Let's Let's do this. So... Mm-hmm. Well, I'll start off with you. Where do you sit on people taking the artistic interpretation of pretty dark topics and saying, please allow opt-outs, please remove this from the game? How do you how do you feel about the, the length people are going to sort of, if you will, censor what yeah. Boyfriend Dungeon is trying to do? Let me first thank you for bringing this to my attention because I didn't know any of this i heard about mm-hmm. the game um one of my friends i was online when he's playing it and he was like yeah boyfriend I, I, it really has a, a big following like people really love this game yeah. so you know to the questions cut to it i am not a fan of it you know i'm always pro as far as fan of people trying to tell developers what to do with their sure. game yeah. i am not a fan of that i always feel this is an art it's artistic expression and in this case you know listening to all the accounts both sides you know that's what the content warning is for, right? Because apparently from what we hear, there's like a very stalkerish character, very, you know, character who's really trying to slide into DMs or whatever this character is doing that is very aggressive. And, you know, from my understanding, there was a content warning, right? Now, the developer, was it Kit Fox, has come out and then said now they're apologizing, they're going to make it, you know, a bit stronger. But here's my only issue. My issue is this, is that, when you have something so descriptive in your game about what the game is going to be, you have essentially revealed the game, right? And I don't feel, you know, I I struggle with that because to me, some of the greatest games is when when you don't know where the story is going to go, right? And somebody on Twitter made a fantastic point. I forgot what it was, where it's like, there are certain games that, because I've seen the counter argument, which is like, well, this was marketed as this lighthearted thing and, you know, it's it's betraying the trust. And I'm just like, mm, I could think of so many games where, you know, I think somebody even said knack, right? And it was like, it was like marketed like this lighthearted thing and then it was like really dark, right? So at that point, is it wrong for the dev to, to, to not spoil their entire story? And even in this case, they gave a content warning. They did say, yeah. Matt, hey, this is, they're going to have some, you know, stronger tones on this level if you're not comfortable, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, that, that just my basic, from the outside looking in, you know, I, I'm curious to get what you thought on it because I do struggle with gamers trying to dictate to developers how to make a game, right? And I, the last point, not every game is for everybody that that, mm-hmm. they, that we gotta stop this they need to have it exactly for me and how dare and then i forgot about the most important point sorry 
You can't be attacking the voice actors on yeah. Twitter. <laughs> come on, gamers. Come on, y'all. But go ahead, go ahead, man. That's what I got with this one. Yeah, it's really hard to pick a starting point because it's it's one of those topics where you have like 40 different scattered yeah. thoughts because you, you feel so strongly about it. You're like, where do you even begin? I think where I want to start off with is as someone who, who is writing a game, but you know, speaking to other writers, I can't speak as authoritatively because I haven't released anything, but speaking to other writers, revealing your thematic hand is pretty tough because part of that is what drives home a story. Um, one example I can use is through my preview, I saw that Psychonauts 2, they were like, hey, mental health advisory, we get into things like PTSD, anxiety, depression, they go through a whole list, they say this game's about empathy and healing, and while it was appreciated, I thought it was cool, it does soften some of the surprises there, and I, I can't get into detail in my experience, of course, because I'm reviewing it right now, but this is something that I saw in my preview period, and I was like, you know, this is something that's noteworthy, I think if the content warnings there then they shouldn't be for blame for what occurs afterwards when you go past that content warning. Not only that, but more on touch with the thematic point is, I don't know how else to word it other than, I don't think art should always make you feel comfortable. I think art is designed to move you. Well I think said. it's designed to, to, to these artistic interpretations in games of real emotions or things that happen is so important to conveying to a player like, the experience maybe the developer has gone through. And I, from what I've read, I've not played Boyfriend Dungeon. From what I've read, they have handled these topics they've chosen responsibly. It's just that for some people, it's reignited some trauma, which, you know, is understandable. When the content warning is there, you know, I mean, who is to blame at that point? And once again, I need to just emphasize one more time. Art is not always going to make you comfortable. It's designed Preach. to move you. I remember when I was a teenager, mm -hmm. I played Gone Home. And I remember that game specifically moved me in a way that as a young kid I felt pretty uncomfortable but it changed who I was in a lot of ways and I was mm. like you know what that was a really moving experience and you're thankful for that discomfort because yes. you're thankful for the perspective Preach. and I think that's so important and people going after the voice actors because the villain character was an asshole who, who is morally questionable that's what it's all about and people are starting to try to meld art into what makes them feel comfortable and it's not supposed to always be that there is art whether it be music games books tv shows movies that doesn't matter they will be happy cheery there is that there yeah um or that does not dive into the serious stuff and hey if anyone's ever paid attention to my content you've heard me say in multiple reviews probably when a game's fun, it reminds me that sometimes this industry is always trying to tell you a dark story, trying mm -hmm. to make you feel a thing. And you can tell when there's a little bit of try-hard energy in these yeah. games, replicating like a formula from another title. It's like, dude, either just tell your story if it ain't working, let's lighten the load here and make <laughs> something more fun. Because games ultimately are also fun. But a lot of them are now developing into a medium to tell you something much more compelling and impactful because it's interactive. So you yes. feel it a little bit closer. And I think... That's so important that people don't try to, I mean, go into the length of a voice actor. I mean, it's one thing to try to say to the developer, you've expressed discomfort or frustration with their title. It's another thing to tell them what to do and then to go after the actor of a character. That's like, the, now you've got to shake the actor's hand because guess what? They have done, or actress's hand, because they have done such a phenomenal job. You forgot they were fucking fictional. You forgot. Preach it. Preach it. That's when you know they're doing, when yeah. you hate that character, you know what? they did a good job. 
fucking wild. So once again, I don't want to come across as not sympathetic. If someone's yeah. gone through something serious and they played this game, they were like, shit, that kind of unearthed some stuff that I would have yeah. rather left in my past. I respect that. I understand that. Mm-hmm. We've all been through our own shit. But when there's a content warning and then now an even more emphasized content warning yeah. and you still are going in after all this discourse, there's no one to blame but yourself. One, I couldn't have said it better myself, brother. You killed that. That's exactly my feeling. Thank you. But I just really want to talk about it because I think, mm-hmm. you know, we're entering an age where the internet's very strong and, mm-hmm. and it's very quickly, you can feel like you're getting overwhelmed and just chipped away at and you, you start to feel the knees buckle a little bit. Yep. I'm happy Kit Fox is taking the approach of like, let's update our content warning. Do not change the content. Do not change the, the content. Yeah. Do don't not change, change the content. The content. We, Even if it's bad. Yes. Not we need that, brother. I, 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 there's so many games that, that hit that category where I'm like, wow, it, it went there. And it, I was happy that the game did. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think about, you know, think about something like, like Hellblade and how it tackles psychosis. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, there's so many experiences and so many things that are not comfortable. They're not cookie cutter right and, and it, again like i think it's needed we can't have everything happy go lucky yay sunshine's rainbow life is not like that and and mm-hmm. these experiences to me it, it it diversifies that 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 plate it makes everything there's a little bit something for everyone and if you just try to make everything one way and you allow that influence to, to i'm not with that bro like mm-hmm. I, I i don't like it at all and that's the only Same. thing about the industry that I, I really have empathy for developers, you know, because it's like, man, allow them to create, allow them to do what they want to do. And hey, if you don't like it, or, you, or not if you don't like it, if you say, hey, you know what? Because there's some people that say, hey, yo, I can't play that, yo. Mm-hmm. That, that, that'll mm-hmm. put me in a place. That's cool, right? Yeah. The only issue you could only say is content warning, but even with that content warning, I still don't feel they have to be letterable. On you know, chapter two, this character is going to do you know, like come on, you know, don't mm-hmm. have to sp- spell out the entire narrative of the game just to yeah. appease a certain base. Nah, I'm not with that. I agree because there's a good chance that base isn't even playing the game. Is what's happening. I think the most vocal people haven't even touched the game. What I'll say is I, I kind of want to play it now. I kind of want to Yeah, now I'm like, you got, I'm interested now. Yeah. I'm like, what's going on? Like, I want to yeah. know about who's sliding the deal. <laughs> yeah, like now it's a, it's it's on Game Pass, so I think I'm going to give it a look. Yeah. But wanted to cover that one big time here. Big topic, sir. Let's move on to number five. When Control released in August of 2019, the game didn't even chart. That stat alone will make your head whip when a bit more, considering the developer Remedy, has now revealed that the game has surpassed 10 million total players. And an investor note. The success carries into a multitude of plans revealed by the very busy studio. Starting off, the big budget project being made in tandem with Epic Games has officially entered full production. Rumors have suggested this may be a direct sequel to the Xbox 360 exclusive Alan Wake. Mm. Meanwhile, a four-player PvE game set in Control's universe codenamed Condor has been solidified thanks to another deal struck with 505 Games. The deals don't end there as the team confirmed a sequel for Control involving what they call, quote, a bigger budget, end quote. Mm. Don't forget, Remedy also made the single-player campaign for Crossfire X, which they state is still due to launch sometime in 2021. Joel Peters writes in, Greetings, Maddie and Cog, with reports coming for, or confirming sorry, that Remedy Entertainment has entered full production for its next AAA game, and everyone's guessing that it's most likely a sequel to Alan Wake, especially if you've played Control, which basically confirmed that there were more stories to tell with this character. 
This has made me super excited as Alan Wake and Control are two of my favorite games and a Control sequel has already been confirmed to be in pre-production. Just curious to get your thoughts on this as I feel sometimes Remedy is overlooked. Also, Maddie, I just learned the terrible news that you've never seen an internet historian video. I ask that you please correct this at once as I have the feeling you will really enjoy them. Report back with the results as soon as possible. Thanks for the show, Dukes. Have a fantastic day. Joel, write in again next week so when I'm yes. writing the script, I will fire this one up. I would... <laughs> Ask Cog, I got the script to him at like 11.30 last night because of the way my day was. So (laughs) I didn't have time to watch the video, but follow up again and I'll I'll make sure it gets done. I I am guilty of overlooking Remedy sometimes. You know, they're they're a pretty important part of Xbox history during the 360 days. Um, They're working with them again, like I said, for Crossfire. I think there's a good chance we see the release date for that at Gamescom. And that that seems pretty likely. If they're still Mm -hmm. saying right now in Investor's Note that they're confident it's coming out 2021, I think we're going to get that update then. Mm-hmm. What do you think of, I mean, number one, I think the turnaround control is made. Yeah. I remember when it came out, dude, it did not enter the sales charts. It was dead on arrival, but yeah. through next-gen releases, Game mm-hmm. Pass, word of mouth, this yes. game has had some serious legs, and now it's getting a bigger budget sequel, 10 million-plus mm-hmm. players, plus more Alan Wake, possibly. What, yes. Where are you at on, on yeah. Remedy? Yeah, I mean... It's so funny because I was there at the inception. Like, I literally, fun story, Um, I was there, closed door announcement of this game. I saw it very early. Mm. And you know what's funny that I look back at? You know who was there that I didn't understand? Why the hell is he here? Reggie fils That's the first time I met really? him. Really? Yeah, I'm like, really? why what? is Reggie in this He's room? getting that cloud version set up. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm thinking about Bro, yeah. I literally thought about it now. I'm like, what does the Nintendo Switch have to do with this AAA? Because, like, Sam Lake's in there. The big. Oh, by the way, Reggie had the goals with him. He had to eat. Reggie, Reggie travels with, secu- like, his security. Like, they, really? they, I better not get close to Reggie. because it was, Wow. <laughs> Reggie's a big guy, head. too. I mean, He's he can do. Could wipe anyone out if he wanted to. Yeah, but he he had the shooters on deck. I could not get close. <laughs> but um, salute to Reggie. Salute to uh, 505. Yeah, I got a chance to see it. I thought the game looked promising. The powers, the whole thing. And then of, of that whole Alan Wake, and they were coming off the quantum break. So it was a big, you know, a big hoopla about the release. And then obviously it comes out, and we saw what initially happened, right? So we like, eh, you know, kind of thing. And then you see the next-gen updates to turn around, and then people starting to get, get on with it. And, um... I'm not going to lie, I'm excited about this, you know, two things. One, the Alan Wake connection with the end, right? And clearly some linking. Mm-hmm. But the other thing, I, there's a part of what, four-player PvE? What's going on here? What yeah, are, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I want to know what mm-hmm. that's about. Like, I, I'm intrigued because I'm a co-op guy, but then there's a part of me like, mm, can they pull that off? You know, right. I want to see what that is. And then, like you said, um, in the notes and in uh, Crossfire X, I am very intrigued by that game. I think that's a game that could have some potential, especially with the one thing about Remedy, you got to say, like with narrative and storytelling, for the most part, they're generally solid. And and I want to see what they can do in that space with Crossfire X. So I'm excited to see them turn around. I'm excited that the numbers and everything has come full spur because it was spooky. At one point, but where do you sit with control? You control guy. You wasn't. I, I've never played control actually. That oh, was a, okay. that was another one I really slept on. That's mm-hmm. why I, I gotta I just gotta do that. I think that is on the list this yeah. holiday period when mm-hmm. when we take some time off is that will be one of the games yeah. I get to. It's not super long. Yeah, I know Chris raves about it. Um, yeah, I, I know it's really it. fun. So I, I I've got to get to that. I was a Quantum Break fan. I I, I really mm. liked that game. I thought it was fun to play. I beat it a couple times. 
I love the whole TV show idea for it. It was kind of like quirky and different. I love. I forget his the name of the actor, but he's a little finger. Little and, uh, finger. Y'all just yeah. thinking the same thing. I was like, little. You talking I, about little finger? Yeah. I love him, I love man. Him. I yeah. love him. There's just something about the way he acts that yes. I, I I get a kick out of, but yes, I also think he's too. very compelling. Yes. And so having him in the game, like it was one of the very rare moments where I was like, Yo, I'm into this now. Oh, like yeah. I, I love this celebrity cameo here. Mm-hmm. I was really big on so yeah. Quantum Break was a game that I very much enjoyed and I reviewed quite positively. Where uh, Alan Wake, I also liked. It was one of the more unique, I guess, horror experiences, if you will. I love the way they approached gameplay with the flashlight and the batteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that's one I kind of feel like I'm going to need to replay to appreciate what Control does because yeah, I feel a like a lot of the hype from Control has come from the idea that it connects to Alan Wake in in some way and or they share a universe. I'm not quite sure and. That is what got me interested in control enough to be like, all right, let's, you know, I'm going to give, I'm going to give this a look. But mm-hmm. beyond that, you know, I, I think I got to do a replay or watch a recap, but yeah, you know, mm-hmm. remedy is one that I always, I'm always curious how Xbox hasn't, you know, not to devolve this mm-hmm. conversation into, into acquisition no, no, talk, but like how, how is Xbox not wrap these guys up? You know, they're working together yeah. again with Crossfire. They did an exclusive for the Xbox one, 360. Yeah. I just feel like there's something there, but maybe Remedy just values their independence quite a bit, uh, which be. I totally understand. But it could be. And what beyond was the financials that, on, oh, um, on. Well, not to cut you, I'm sorry. Um, good. Well, we know the financials on Quantum Break. I was like, think maybe it, from a business standpoint, maybe it just didn't work out for them for based on the investment. It probably didn't do that crazy, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So that that would be my guess, because I just think yeah. of the real life filming they had to do on top of making yeah, the game. And it was very ambitious initially. They yeah. were talking about like a TV show coinciding with episodes and mm-hmm. it was super, they actually scaled it back a bit. As yeah, it and got, it felt yeah. already crazy with what we got. So I can't imagine what the original version was, but yeah, I can't, I can't really imagine yeah. that one was super profitable gotcha but sorry i cut you off continue but yeah. no i was just gonna say uh, beyond the, the acquisition stuff i just think remedy is consistently very strong and they are oftentimes overlooked and i think it's just because of their you know the, the the games are fun to play but their stories are always pretty weird that's not a bad thing at all i, I think weird storytelling is is underappreciated <laughs> it's just i don't know if it's marketable because yeah. what happens is for you to explain this weird story gotta spoil some of it yeah and so yeah. it makes your elevator pitch for the game very difficult other mm-hmm. than the i just beat it dude you gotta play it yes i saw you're getting with control i just beat it you gotta play it yeah. and you can talk about the gameplay to some extent but it's that story yes. i think that's where they kind of struggles that the word of mouth can only go so far so far and I, from what from what i the most people who disengage from it a lot of the lore is in the written stuff and the collectibles in the game. Mm-hmm. And if you're not willing to to do all that and you check that out, it, a lot of the impact of it can be lost. So like you said, that's where that pitch is, right? It's harder to sell unless you go through it and you really embrace yeah, yeah yourself with it. The lore, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number six, quick follow-up here to last week's story revolving around Take Two revitalizing three games. And it appears that our guest, Randolph Thor, was on the money. A report from Kotaku has surfaced and claims that the PS2 era, Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, and San Andreas are being remastered in a trilogy package. It'll use Unreal Engine, blending old and new graphics that'll remind fans of a heavily modded version of the titles. 
This is all being headed up by the recently added Rockstar Dundee, and if all things go swimmingly here, then there is more work for them. Kotaku states that the highly requested Red Dead Redemption is on the table as a potential remaster. Nice, you into nice. this at all? The going back to some of the old GTA games? Probably not, but yeah, this is going to do well. Both. This is going to yeah. do well. Oh, this man. Gonna, they're going to kill it. Shout out to Rand. He was on it with this. Yeah. I'm actually interested in the second part. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say, we can transition right to that because yeah, I'm yeah, in the yeah. same boat as you. I'm I not crazy about GTA. Red so. Dead at 60, man. Mm. That's what I need. And Sov is a huge Red Dead fan. I got mad. He got gets mad at me because I didn't finish it. I'm just like, just <laughs> what the sixty, bro? And that game is like you could live in that world. That world, yeah, is amazing. But um, yeah, that, that's all I was. So I was like, oh, remastered. Okay, all right. Let, let's see what's going on with that. Yeah, what about it's, you? It, it's more appealing to go back to because Red Dead Two, amazing game, but it is fucking long. Whoa. Long game, man. I, I I don't think the epilogue was needed to be as long as it did because that's what really stretched it out. I think it yes. was like I finished the, the story of fifty, and then the epilogue was another ten. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, this is a whole new act. We mean epilogue, <laughs> but Red Dead One is much shorter, and I think it benefits from it. And especially when you look at a remaster, it's you know, oh my gosh, man. And, and yeah. people forget the I I always hear about the expansion uh, Undead Nightmare how it feels like a whole new game and if you bring that back too mm. with this oh my god man people are gonna Ooh. lose their minds hot cakes will sound yeah. like hot cakes absolutely probably more i think more in gta i think there's a, a strong love for the original red dead compared to those three gta games combined and so i just argument. now here's the thing what's up this brings me back to my Dead Space topic, where right, I said, like, it. Dead Space, I was like, does it need really... Dead Space, we're talking remake, so it's a little different here. I'm splitting hairs right now. Right. I'll completely admit that. Mm -hmm. But with Dead Space, I was just like, you know, I think if you guys just FPS boost it, up res it, we're good. Now, it sounds like maybe that's what they're doing with Red Dead with a remaster, but what more could they do with this game? Because I feel like this one's even more... Like, it already looked phenomenal yeah. on Xbox One. Let alone yeah. we're firing up on the Series X. Where, you know, what do you think they're gonna do that beyond FPS boost and and 4K resolution? Yeah. Do you, like, yeah, what is there they more do? that could be there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a this was a showcase at its time for the Scorpio, the Xbox One X, right? Because it was like full fat 4K, you know, 30. That this was when the dynamic resolution was shied upon, right? Everybody's like, you know, this one other version is dynamic, but this was like the full 4K. So it was it was impressive with that. First, obviously the frame rate, but I would love to see I don't know if it's doable because we know the effects of ray tracing on hardware, but it would be interesting if they had like a, a mode, right? And I, I've been I've been a little bit more lenient towards at least discussing ray tracing but i was hard on ray tracing in the beginning because i didn't experience sure. it but now that i'm starting to experience it and part of me is like you know what it, let's see what a mode would it would entail but the game is it's really not much you could do with it. this game is a beautiful game you know mm -hmm. so it's i'm trying to think other than obviously the, the normal bells and whistles 4k hdr you know what else could you really I do? i have oh, one theory that i heard Ooh, what you got what if they did a next-gen version of Red Dead 2 and okay. then packaged in the remaster? So that kind of, oh, it's 4K up res, 60 or 120 FPS. Mm -hmm. And someone was like, I, I forgot where I heard this from, so I apologize if I'm like directly taking someone's idea. I don't remember the name. But like you finish the 
we'll say the game because Red Dead Two is a prequel. You finish Red Dead Two and it loads into the remaster. Almost. Now that would be kind of crazy because it's now like now you got now you got to beat this fifty hour game to reach it. Yeah. But separately speaking, I think just do you think if they do a next gen version of Red Dead Two and just package in the remaster is almost like a, a bonus, sort of like what Call of Duty did. I think when they did the Modern Warfare campaign remastered with. I want to say it was Infinite Warfare. Yeah, one of those. I remember when they did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd be interested. Is there precedence though? Right? There, is there? I'm trying to think with with Rockstar specifically. I, I don't recall if they've ever done anything like that. That's the only thing. I mean, I could see it. No, they one, haven't. It's yeah, just one an aspect, idea. I could see it, but the other aspect, I'm like, I don't know with their business model if that's something they want to even really entertain. And yeah, they, right. They, they could sell it easily. So yeah, they made it like, yo, bro, we gonna say you go buy this. Hey, point taken, right? Yeah, point yeah. taken. There's no, there's no way they're gonna take my idea. <laughs> why, why sell them? Why sell them one thing for or two things for seventy dollars when they can sell us? Uh, or I'm sorry, combined. Combined. Ra- yeah, rather than one thing seventy dollars each. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Business, you know. Yeah, business. No, you're totally right. Number seven, our final bit of news here coming soon to Xbox Game Pass available right now. You can get Star Wars Battlefront 2 and Jedi Fallen Order on the cloud. Need for Speed Heat is also available on the cloud. And Humankind is available on PC Game Pass. Now for our patrons, August 19th, Recompile, Train Sim World, 12 Minutes all come to Game Mm. Pass, cloud console and PC. Psychonauts 2, cloud console and PC on August 25th and Myst. Cloud console and PC, Ooh. August twenty sixth. Any uh, any any big ones here sticking out yeah. to you? Twelve it's minutes, nice. Psychonauts two, maybe. Oh yeah, all that man, Psychonauts two. Miss, mm-hmm. uh, you know what's funny though? I'm seeing a lot of cloud inclusion. You yeah, know? seeing yeah. a lot of that. Even with the Star Wars, the Jedi Fallen Order, I thought that was interesting. So they are really committed to the to the cloud aspect with with uh, a lot of these game pass games that's very interesting and then when we talked about the touch controls and then like they they are doubling down mm-hmm. i'm noticing they, they, this is not something they are going away from so keep an eye on that and mist is a classic i mean who you know we know all know about mist in the history there oh, yeah. yeah for me 12 minutes this week got to get that on and then um the reviews came out for for 12 minutes today how's it how's it, how's it looking how's it, how's it looking? it's interesting i i only watch skill ups because i really like how he yeah. delivers sh- his sh- thoughts shout out to skill up i um what i'm seeing is i think this is gonna be a more divisive game like Ooh. what one person will think is like thoughtful approach of the, the puzzles mm-hmm. some will be frustrated with Okay. And what some will like with the repetition of, you know, going through this time loop, like you're really kind of stuck and trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Some will not like. And what I was hearing from Skill Up, and he he recommended it's, I do the same thing in my reviews, is sometimes you get this feeling, right? You're like, I think I might be one who isn't in line with the public opinion. He's like, gotcha. watch other reviews here. Yeah. Because he's like, he, he was kind of saying, like, if you fill up a table of podcasters, each of them are going to have different thoughts on this of game. Of course. So I feel like it's one that's perfect for Game Pass because you can play it, check it out, and be like, all right, let's see if this is for me. Right. But what he was saying sounds like it would probably wear me down, but I don't know if okay. that would apply necessarily to you because he mentioned like you'd have to go through the same dialogue choices to get to the new thing. Mm-hmm. You were had that you had that ticking clock of twelve minutes before you know you reached your same fate, so you had to find a way out of it. And mm. I I want to play it. I do want to yeah. play it. It sounds really interesting. Obviously, my priority is the Psychonauts 2 review, but I yes. I do want to get to this one. And I'm curious if you do end up playing this. I'd no, love to hear your thoughts yeah, on it. Saab so. actually hit me up. Yeah, he he he's hitting it too. So yeah, mm-hmm. this is this is definitely on it on the list. I'm definitely gonna touch that tomorrow. Awesome. 
Well, that's all we got for the news. And speaking of Game Pass, it's time for our Game Pass pick of the week. We'd love to take audience submissions for these as well. So we're always encouraging you to write in if you have a Game Pass game you're particularly infatuated with that you write in about it, just like Kendrick Luckenbach did. He says, what's up, Dukes? Got to give a Game Pass edition shout out to Art of Rally. If folks out there are excited for Forza Horizon later this year, you got to check this one out. It's colorful, artistic, yet so much skill in every car in this game. The campaign starts in the 70s of Rally all the way to the modern day so you can feel the progression of car technology. There's also a few free roam maps akin to Forza Horizon. Don't overlook this one under the hype of 12 Minutes and Hades. Thanks, Dukes. Best to you and your families. Thank you, Kendrick. It's a great suggestion here. I've actually never looked into Art of the Rally. It just... What I love about the audience submissions and why I always ask about them is not, of course, just to get them involved, but because we hear about things. There's so many games in Game Pass. uh, It's a library that I just find myself going, I've never heard of this. Like Art of the Rally? Mm-hmm. Never heard of that. But it's one of those games, man, that's a business decision game, yes, right? It's like yes. I look at it and I go, mm, that looks good. Mm, I can't, though. I can't right now because I, it I is can't. good. Yeah, yeah. so I, I feel you on that. Yeah, it looks good, though. It looks good. The art style looks nice. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it looks really good. So definitely give this one a look. But if you want my personal suggestion, I'm, I'm, I'm taking charge this week. Kai, I got a little casual with this one. MLB The Show 21. It's been about four months, and your boy's stepping up to the plate now. Finally. Yeah, right? And uh, this has been a great remote play game. Mm. Stream it to the tablet. And it's I've been really liking it, man. I've been doing a franchise mode with the Mets. And (laughs) doing some things that they're not doing right now in real life. I'll just say that. I'm hitting the fuck out of the ball. You know, I'm I'm, I'm winning some games. I for, you know because with sports games, the be- the biggest benefit you can give yourself is you pull out for a while and you yes. come back in. So if you're like me, I have not played the show since 14. Okay, wow. So for me, sitting down with 21, seeing the progression of the graphics, the commentary, oh. uh, the the stadiums. Ooh. I mean, the the pitching mechanics. Mm-hmm. It's impressive. And even if you're not really crazy into sports games. I feel like the the franchise mode, the difficulties and the and the micro like I'm playing it on the the max thing, so I'm like managing trade deals, no, okay. free agent signings. I'm doing my farm system. Mm-hmm. There's something there that I think even if you're not into sports games, I gotta say you can get hooked pretty quickly into the fine tuning of your franchise, setting yes. up advertisement deals. It's <laughs> it's wild. I I love how deep they go with it. And while it's not the main grab, right? It's always the the be a pro or the yeah. dynasty mode, whatever they call it. But for me, this franchise, it's been. I have. I don't remember the last sports game I sat down. I was like, I'm really digging having my own season, right? Season mode used to be a go to when I was a kid, but then it was about create a pro, right? Now, like now, that I'm a, a young adult. I'm in there, like just. I'm playing like Steve Cohen. I'm like, who's, ah, who's my brand deal here? Like, who nice. who am I sponsoring? Right? Like, mm-hmm. it, I, it's been really nice. So. You know, it's 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 been a game that I pick up every now and then. Mm-hmm. Usually, like on a, a you know, it's it's maybe like one in the morning. We're yep. winding down. You were mentioning how Microsoft Flight Sim is that game for mm-hmm. me. MLB the Show. You know, it, it demands your focus a little bit, but you know what I love more than anything. I don't know if it's a new edition or not. Mm. They're scaling difficulty. Yes. So as you pitch more and you start getting better, as you start to hit better, so good. It gradually moves you up, so you don't play as like easy normal hard and it's like well hard's way too difficult but i'm hitting the hell out of the ball on normal 
It's just this dynamic scaling that moves with you. And I've never quite seen a game do this. So look, I have not played MLB the show since 14. So I start off on lowest difficulty. And I've moved my way up. To, I think like amateur or whatever they're calling mm -hmm. it, like still low difficulty, but I'm crawling my way up. You're, you're slow. You can feel yourself mastering the yes. timing yes. And, and really feeling out. I mean, dude, it's a good game. I really it's like it. So game. I know this is long delayed as MLB. The show has been on game pass since day one, but mm -hmm. I wanted to throw a shout out here. You know, I've been playing it for about a month now, very sporadically. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I wanted to throw it in this week as one oh, that, yeah. hey, you you know, folks out there looking for a quick pick up and play game. This is a good one. And I know you've been playing oh, a little bit of it. So much to talk about. I, I, you were making me smile because every reason <laughs> why you love it is why I love it. Because dynamic difficulty is one of the greatest additions they've added right like you said because i haven't played those games in a while consistently and you know get your timing and what i like is yeah. that it's dynamic difficulty on the on separate aspects on pitching and hitting right yes so that i love about that the absolutely mode, the mode for me which i never played for play before march to october i oh. am addicted to that mode because i am a person we talked about you know, on um, me doing Microsoft Flight Simulator as my wind down game. March to October is a beast for a person who's busy. Like, it, <laughs> you're gonna love this thing. Like, first you start it, you know, and what they do is you play, you play, you, you, they have like key moments in the season. So like you'll play Mets opening day, right? They give you the projection, whatever, whatever. You start off, and then it'll start you in progress in a scenario. So it could be like oh. sixth inning, seventh inning, and it's like, okay, you're up or run, you're down a run. And then they have, it's called the momentum system. So let's just say, sometimes they do put you in a bad state. They'll be like, all right, you're down. It's the seventh inning, you're down by one. It's a key, it'll say key, it'll say key division matchup or for first place or home stress. And based on these little stars, if you win the game, you get these bonus boosts so mm. that the next game, like so they'll simulate maybe 10 games. And based on how you did, it will affect that average. So it's, it's great mm. for a person who doesn't have the time to play 162 games. Right? Yeah, I certainly am not doing that. I just simulate and pick certain matchups that Bro, I like. You yeah. can get through, like, let's say I, in total there's about 30 to 40, you know, key points in a season. But they're quick. You get in, you get out, and you can get the majority done and then get rolled into the um, – there's also trades. You can do your management with that. Okay. You still have that. They, people offer you trades, that stuff going. They have this great mode in the middle of it called um, – it's called player boost. So they'd be like, look – P. Alonzo, um, he's, he, you know, play with him, and you you almost play like a, a my player only him during those moments. And if you do well with your at bats, you get a little performance boost on him during the simulation during the thing. I'm totally addicted to this mode. Totally like I cannot get out of this. Mode. I like it. I Bro, haven't tried it for a person who does not have the time. I sat there. I'm like, damn, I got to play. I can get like mm -hmm. three, three, four more. And I wrote March to October games in right, right quick. Because right. they're quick <laughs> and it's so fun, bro. Try this mode. It is so fun. I love it. And, and the last point, 
the the simulation aspect of baseball the camera cuts the angles you yeah. know you see the little nuances at the glove like just the the personalities when you get a game winner it's just all the essence of baseball shout out to Phil for getting this game over there yeah. this is my thing man I was so happy yeah. to MLB the show because PlayStation fans have been eating well this is yes, one of the greatest happen. simulation baseball games of all time absolutely I agree so give it a try if you have yet to it's really good speaking of sports. Let's end this uh, the show here with five final questions from the patrons. First one comes from Dr. Stump Gutentag, Duke Boys. <laughs> Last week I wrote in about games to hobbies and Rand mentioned WCW versus NWO Revenge on N64. Phenomenal game. I was a huge fan of NBA Jam, Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey, and NFL Blitz. My question is simple. Why don't we see any sports games like that anymore? You know, the ones where the animations, passing potential hits or checks in hockey are so over the top that the player literally gets blasted across the screen. Nowadays, all you see are sports games that are true to life. I was always wondering about this, and I would love to see more sports games if everything wasn't so damn serious. Cheers, gentlemen. Have an okay-ish week. Thank you, Dr. Stomp. Cog. I loved Midway back in the day. NHL hits, NFL blitz, MLB slugfest. Yes. Oh yes. my God, dude. Slugfest yeah. with, I think it was Jim Edmond on the cover. I want to say that was 04. Oh my gosh, man. I played Fire. that game so much. Here's one thing that I loved about it. They didn't care who you were. They would disrespect <laughs> you. If you were, if you were not a big name player to slugfest, yes. your guy would step up to the plate and they'd be like, now up to bat. Somebody, and I'm, like, yeah, I'm just like, yo, they, yo, they, they, don't, they don't care who you are, man. I yep. love that, but yes. beyond that, I think these games are so much more important than people give credit for I because they agree. get you through the door with the fun of sports, like NBA Street, man. Oh, classic. oh my God, yes. this was important to me. This yes. was so important as a kid because I didn't care about NBA or basketball. I still kind of don't, but when mm -hmm. I did. These games were big for that because, dude, you were trying to imitate the dance moves the they were doing on the, on, the, on the court. And, dude, I I loved, I loved NBA Street. Mm -hmm. Important game. So I would love to see these arcadey ones come back. I mean, do you do you have a infatuation yeah. with these like I do? They're important. Yeah, listen, NBA, he's on fire. He's heating mm -hmm. up. <laughs> like, the, oh, yeah. listen, not everybody's the hardcore sim guy. And, and you need those quick... You know, I call them little, you know, bus off joints. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just need to jump in real quick with your friends. And, 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 and it's not so serious. And it's not, let's be real, a lot of these games, we talk about have a lot of complicated control schemes. Right. Yeah. And, and it really confuses. There was one that actually came up. Damn, it was an NBA one. It was almost I'm in the. I'm just looking it up right now. Hold yeah, on. Yeah, I think it, my dude made it. He's he's from Jersey. Sabin Entertainment made it. Sabin yeah, Entertainment. I'm, I'm and they had like. NBA players from different era, and it was like a jam, NBA jam style. Is it Showtime? I forgot the name of that thing. I, I will have it for you soon. Yeah. I'm, Play, I'm, well, damn, I forgot. You fleet find that game. That game was fun. It was on Switch. It was on all the major platforms. It was a good romp, and I think they ended up making a, a sequel or an update to it. And I liked it, man. It, I really enjoyed it. it. It didn't take itself so seriously, and, and I had some fun with it. But, yeah, it, it, it debuted on the Switch as well. NBA Playgrounds, maybe? Playground, yeah. I just found it right yeah, as you yeah. said that. Yeah, NBA yep. Playgrounds. I enjoyed yeah. that, man. I was less... Here's the thing, right? Is mm -hmm. is they had Playgrounds and they had MLB... Or uh, MLB, WWE 
Battlegrounds. Yes. And they're these arcadey kind of games. I just think the art style isn't quite there. It? It's too kitty. Okay. And they go a little too soft. Like, here's the thing that's great about Slugfest, man. <laughs> I could punch someone out if I wanted to. And if you hit them hard enough, if your strength is high enough, they they drop the baseball. You could steal a base. <laughs> yes. If if you got hit by a pitch enough times, your player would get pissed and they would set on fire and their stats would just explode up the charts and when they stepped up and their bat was on fire you were like oh my oh. god i'm about to smoke this ball dude you put your finger over the x button you're like i'm about to i'm about to absolutely massacre this thing home run time there was something just very tantalizing about that and there was even backyard baseball yes. back the backyard series i mean there was just so many fun spinoffs and you've mm -hmm. seen like nhl tried to do it nhl tried to do uh, a three-on-three -three pond hockey kind of experience yes. But it was within the sim gameplay. And it was right. like, no, no, right. this is not what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. Make an arcadey, power up, crazy, weird game. Over the top. I, yeah, they got to do it. If they just revived NBA Jam, oh. I, I mean, if they revived Slugfest somehow, mm -hmm. I guarantee people would play it. Yeah, there's a lane for it. There's absolute lane for it because not do cell shaded. Is, I mean, yeah, mm. just exactly. You ain't got to go crazy, crazy. You just have that. Have a good art style and make it accessible and make it fun because there's so many casual people that would play these games as opposed mm -hmm. to people look at Madden, MLB. They like, nah, it's too intimidating. Too too many controls. Too many things for a lot of people. I, I just I miss that era a lot because I think of something like Def Jam. Dude, mm -hmm. this this have you played Def Jam before? Yeah, like, of course. Dude, my God, that game like that would never exist nowadays. Facts. Like you got oh, yeah. you got, like they're just they're they're beating the life out of each other. You got like Ludacris in there and <laughs> stuff. I'm like, yeah. I'm like what is I played for the first time this year. I'm like, what is this? This is amazing. <laughs> but you never find a fighting game like that again. And now that game's like two hundred dollars if you want to yeah. buy it complete. Like it's a really expensive game. I'm mm -hmm. looking at it like, man. Yes. Like there's a fighting, a competitive fighting scene for it. It's kind of in that realm of like Smash Melee, where it's just it's like this preserved piece of history. Yes. But more of my point is like, what was so great about that era of gaming is you got these arcadey hybrids mm -hmm. that would like like Def Jam's a good fighting game. It's oh, yeah. a really good technical fighting game. Mm -hmm. But on a casual front, we were playing it through net play. Mm -hmm. And we were having a blast because we were just like elbow dropping, hitting each other with like bricks, bats, <laughs> the finishers. I mean, Ooh. it's just like on a casual front, it's just wild. Yes. It's so wild. And so, yes. yeah, I just would love to see. I get games are more expensive than make nowadays, but an indie kind of budget approach. Scene. Yeah, it would have to yeah, be an indie man. scene, I think, for them. Because for whatever reason... I don't know what it is that I feel like the triple A's are kind of going away from. So I don't know if it's like they looking at it as a risk, but like, yeah, yeah I, it, I, it's, it's weird, man. that we don't see more of them anymore. Cause I missed that era. That was the era, man. Yeah. And we've seen attempts. Like, I think there was a hockey game yeah. that tried to, I, I'm sorry. I don't remember the names of these, but they've tried to make arcadey versions of them, but they just haven't been that sort of blending of like, what was great about, I, I always go back to Slugfest is, mm -hmm. It had the button layout, the controls of a traditional baseball game, but it was its mechanics underlying, like the the way players progressed, the way you made your teams, the mm -hmm. the the punching, the being on fire, the way they did all of this is is what really made it. Where I was like, all right, this is still a baseball game, mm -hmm. but it's a way more fun version of oh, baseball yeah. for many people. Yeah. Last point, I think for me, could be another potential issue could be the licensing. 
Mm, you know what I'm saying? And good point. how much, you know, this stuff costs to get that MLB license on the thing and the NBA yeah. license. And, you know, these deals get cut. And then we start to see the sad part. You start to see, like, what EA with the Madden, where they, they got that exclusive thing and no one else for the most part can't make. I know in this simulation space, but it's like, I, I don't even know if you can even make contractually can you make an nfl game i don't think you can i think i think ea's got that completely locked down where it's just stuck to madden yeah and and again when you have those deals in place that's what just makes me frustrated because you know i've had people on ilp who are like hardcore they would tell me like from an animation standpoint and from an um ai standpoint whether it be the offensive line like madden hasn't upgraded in years no so that's where you see the stagnation and you need the competition to then push these people forward but to your overall point yes we need more of these type of games definitely agreed this one's all you Trent and Diana writes in, greetings, Dukes. The question is mostly directed at Cog. This is all directed at Cog. I take no offense, by the way. You know, this is all directed at Cog. With the release about a week away, what are your thoughts on the upcoming Destiny 2 expansion, The Witch Queen? Also, have you been enjoying the seasonal content for the game as of late? Thanks. I know with this new showcase coming up and everything, like I have not paid attention to Destiny for years to do that. just all you. This is all you. Bro, Go crazy. It's shout out to Trey. It, it, it's it's a hot time in the community right now. It's yeah. It, this is the big one. Um, Witch Queen is probably going to be their their equivalent of a Taken King kind of moment for um Destiny, which is with the Destiny is always you always tune in for the expansions, right? The expansions are when they do major overhauls to the gameplay systems. They usually add subclasses. And the key with Destiny right now is the narrative beat. The narrative beat is this is the best they have been. And I have to thank the seasonal model. The seasonal model, you know, now some people don't like where it's kind of like a tune in next week kind of flow to it each week you log in at reset on Tuesday. But the stories being told are so good. They're finally tying all these loose narrative threads that we hear about all these characters. And right now, the Witch Queen... Guardians are in trouble. Like, it, they, they have created a scenario where it is bleak. Like, it, it's looking like they're going to have their Avengers moment where the heroes are going to lose. Everything is stacked against them. You know, Savathun, who is the Witch Queen, has her influence. Basically, her, she's the Queen of Deception. She has her influence everywhere. Even Guardians, one of my favorite characters who seems to have betrayed, his name is Osiris, who's betrayed the Vanguard. They call him Osiris right now, so they kill my boy. <laughs> so it, it, it looks bad. It looks like he's either manipulated or he's been controlled, and it's setting up for a major fall. So right. we got that. We also know that Bungie is promoting this thing heavy. Like, the devs are screaming bungee. Like, they they are feeling so good as a studio about what they're about to offer. So tune in for that, like I said, next week. They also, what I find interesting, since this is Defining Duke, we got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I thought it's very interesting that their show is the same day as Xbox's Gamescom. And yes. I believe only an hour apart. And we know Phil is a huge Destiny fan. Indeed he is, and Game Pass loves its destiny, doesn't they, it? Exactly, which leads me into my next play. Beyond Light expansion launched in, in into Game Pass. That was huge. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see, you know, with this new one with Witch Queen, the announcement that it may come there and it may come to PC. So we just, we got to see, because I think Destiny is on 
X or console Game Pass, mm-hmm. but not PC Game Pass. And then the next thing, as far as the season, to Trenton's question, um, crossplay is coming officially next season, which is going to debut next week. And as far as the seasonal content, yeah, it's it's been good. It, it's it's one of those things as a Destiny player. It's a great balance. You can get in, you do what you got to do, and then you can still play other games. Now, gotcha. the hardcore guys, the guys who their whole channel is about making Destiny, those are the guys are struggling because there's Speaking not enough. Of. Yeah, that's that's what it is. But they'll get their fix with the expansion because the expansion is that meaty, yeah, so much to do. Stuff. Yeah, so that, that's what's going on with Destiny. But yeah, I'm hyped. Next, it's over for me next week. That's why I'm trying to get all my homework yeah, done this say, week. Next week, get it's it over all for me. done. Yeah, yeah. I got this Ascent, 12 minutes, uh, Iki Island. Uh, Iki this Island, week, I'm, yeah, man. I, I, I got to get as much done because when Destiny's good as it's been, mm-hmm. I'm in trouble. I know, right? Uh, Iki Island's one that like I was so hyped for, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to back burner this one probably till definitely after till Psychonauts. But then I'm playing The World Ends with You. Mm-hmm. I want to play 12 minutes. It's a so good time. Much. I always tell people it's such a good time to play games because it's yes. like you gotta make business decisions, and I never had to do that. Like it's <laughs> there's so much good shit coming. Facts, Even man. in our most low years, like there's still intriguing. I should say I don't know if it's good yet, but yeah. like intriguing stuff. Agreed. Dano Base writes in, greetings. I was thinking about Dead Space 3, God bless, man, and how much game companies learn from data collection. For instance, they know how often a person signs in, how many missions they get through, which missions they play most, etc. This information tells a lot about what the vast majority of players actually enjoyed most and probably would want from a sequel. This makes me wonder, was Dead Space 3 exactly what most players wanted but a loud minority convinced them it was so bad they never tried, <laughs> thus resulting in poor sales. Enjoy this cyberpunk launch-esque day. It's all you. Oh, my God, man. I can't believe that we've gone to this length that you just ex- – Dano, you got to accept it. It's not a good game. I'm just kidding, <laughs> but it's, in all seriousness, I just – no. If their data was saying, like, okay, in Dead Space 2, we see a lot of players, I don't know, are, are – are speeding through our game and engaging in as many combat scenarios and they're, they're searching every corner room. So therefore in dead space three, we're going to up the action. Like I didn't see anything that you could acquire data from in dead space two or one that would suggest design decisions for dead space three. That's how far off the beaten path it went, right? It was Mm -hmm. practically just a third person shooter. There was no horror elements. The assets were used. It was as simple as it sounds. um, It was just a poorly managed game. Mm. one thing that's very underrated in game development is direction just like there's so many facets to game development that go go unsung i think direction is a big name like oh it's a director so it it validates claims and statements they make in the news cycle but people don't forget don't often forget that i look at a game like a playtale innocence as a phenomenally directed experience because it doesn't try to do too much it's about a 10 hour game and every minute of that game i think is used wisely yeah whereas dead space 3 you could tell like the directors were indecisive they're like yo let's make this you know go from ship to ship kind of game you're in space like no but we need to plan it oh we need to finish the story we we need to create connections oh this doesn't make sense and it just galaxy brains itself into these two games mixed together same thing we said with avengers so this may sound familiar Mm -hmm. where dead space 3 is just a product of that poor direction you could tell they kind of wanted to get it done with not only that dead space 2 had one of the biggest budgets in a video game ever wow so they were trying to make their money. Of course. And they said for Dead Space to continue, it needed 5 million sales mm-hmm. outside of Resident Evil. And now I'd say Dead Space because it's back. People missed it, a remake. It's very difficult to reach that mark. 
Yes. Especially the third entry in your series. And so I think they went all action. They were like, hey, we want to continue Dead Space. I think if they got to that point, what we were reading from Visceral about a Dead Space 4 where they said, it pretty much would have been what the beginning of Dead Space 3 was, which wasn't really bad. It was just you were going ship to ship, scavenging resources, okay. surviving, um, a lot more danger involved, a lot more horror involved, uh, but it was a little more open-ended, which okay. I think sounds pretty good. And I think I would not be surprised if they tried to do a little bit of this with Dead Space 1's remake to some extent. But I think they needed for them to get there to prove to EA that the series was relevant enough. And so they had to just make it very casual, you yeah. know, crafting, combat, co-op, just everything that less the crafting, but the other two just really clash heavily with Dead Space. Yeah. And you could see they were trying a little bit. They made multiplayer in Dead Space 2. They were trying to make it this big seller that it wasn't ready to be. It is. There's something I learned through my interviews with Pandemic when Let's talking go. to some of the members uh, who worked there on games like the Saboteur mm -hmm. and Battlefront 2, the original Battlefront 2, I should mention, Lord of the Rings Conquest. Yeah. There is a thing in game development known as just growing too fast. Okay. And that you have to sometimes trim mechanics for a sequel. And, of course, you got to trust that process, right? you got to trust that the game's going to sell well to get you to that next point. True. But with pandemic right they were they did battlefront one a year later did battlefront two destroying humans like a year later did destroying humans two yeah. like the, the mercenaries another mercenaries game saboteur they were just churning out games at this unsustainable pace to the point where they were put in a, a state where mm -hmm. they had to be closed down yeah. and it's because i every single one of them i talked to developers mm. heads of the company founders each of them said the same thing which is we grew too fast and mm. that can apply to game series where something yeah. like dead space you know, we got to look, it had a five year lifespan. Yeah. It did not have enough time to become this 5 million copy seller. In my opinion, you had dead space one, which is like, Whoa, it's really good. Dead right. space two is like, this is a phenomenal sequel. And I can see where we're going for them to say dead space three is going to be 5 million sales. I think it was unattainable. It did not have the, the, the longevity of something like resident evil easily surpassed now. Right. Because yeah. resident evil has been around for so long. It's built up its name. It's done the remakes. It's done the nostalgia grabs. It's done the spinoffs mm -hmm. to now reach that point. And at a $60 price point back then, even now, it's tough to do. So yeah. I think all of that combines for why Dead Space 3 didn't reach its goal. That's a good point. I love your point on um, growing too fast. It also reminds me of Telltale. Yeah, the perfect example. You know? Yes, yeah. And remember After that getting, first hit. Walking Dead, then it was Game of Thrones, and it was this, and it was Batman, and it was just like... They, like you said, you know, that's a good point. That's a really, I, even, I never thought about that, which is just like, you know, growing too fast as a studio and sometimes ultimately being your own demise because you're too ambitious, right? Mm -hmm. And and not knowing when to scale certain things back. And yeah, man, that's, a, that's a valid point. You can risk whelming gamers for sure. I, yeah. I think, I, I don't mean to repeat myself here, but you know, I think when you look at a game like Biomutant, yeah. A lot of the lifeblood of that game and the fan support for it, even after reviewers came out and went, eh, it's not that great, mm -hmm. was that it was so ambitious for a 20-man team. It really was impressive what they were trying to accomplish. So you run the risk of if you're not that ambitious and it comes out kind of lukewarm, you wonder, what if we went all in? Should we have done more? That's just a risky nature of game development. It just is. You will never know. Yeah. But I think a... a a controlled approach, not conservative, a controlled approach is is super necessary in game development. And while some games look like they go hog wild, even those are 
are controlled experiences yeah. where um, I remember Bethesda even talking in an interview saying like, save that. They, I think they specifically said like, save that extra game mechanic you're thinking about doing for the sequel, mm. because there's a chance that it just may not make the difference on whether or not your game's good or bad, or I'm sorry, it will not make the difference on the sales and it may make your game worse because it's already doing so much and you're trying to fine tune that experience. And it's, it's been valuable insight as someone who's working on a game that's doing a lot of things to, to know, like, what do we really want to focus on and what do we want to trim? You know, we're, we're, we're putting our, uh, our prototype together and we're like, what exactly is going to squeeze in here that we can continue to iterate upon and create an identity for a series? And what is going to feel forced that we could really, instead of just tapping it on here and leaving it in, savor the sequel Mm -hmm. and develop further or whatever we do next yeah you know, we don't want to stop point. at one valid point in game development these are the tough decisions and that's where we talk about the volatility and and how you know these one little trying to do too much here with a mechanic or mm -hmm. uh, the, all that could change the course of history with your studio yep exactly yeah. sean mason's our next write-in hey dukes last friday a new couple moved into the house next door to me after a few days i decided to go over and introduce myself and to my surprise what did I see when they invited me into their home? An entire mantle decked out in various Halo items. Their shrine, as they called it. It had every collector's edition, various Halo action figures, posters, signs, etc. It was truly a sight to dazzle at. So my question, with Halo's 20th anniversary approaching, do you see Microsoft releasing some merchandise to honor the franchise? If so, what would you like to see them include best? Sean M. This is true. Because they actually have a 20th anniversary line, which I've been trying to purchase for Halo. Mm -hmm. And it's sold out every time. As y'all know, I'm a bit of a t-shirt guy. And mm -hmm. like, oh, bro, <laughs> oh, bro, I've been wanting, yo, they're so fire. It's got the Master Chief with the 20 in gold. And mm -hmm. I'm like, damn, I want like gamer shirts. I'm I, it's an addiction. It, it is. Destiny. It is. Dude, I'm, I'm always it, donating uh, them and then getting new ones. Yeah. It's bad. So, yeah, yeah. shout out. First, shout out to Shaw. Shout out to the neighbors that got the shrine and all that. Yeah, That's absolutely. fire. But, um, yeah, man, like they, they do. Microsoft, you go to the Xbox uh, gear shop, they have um a 20th line. Everything that looks good is sold out. <laughs> I gotta check this out Everything, right the one I want it's a black t-shirt it's got the um the halo it has the 20 with the master chief in gold it looks amazing I need that shirt I, I'm trying to I'm trying to get it I, I put I even hit the thing let me know when it's in stock email me mm, wow I, yeah oh, I think I got no shot man I, I had to been on it from the beginning yeah, otherwise it's a wrap but yeah all my favorite games Oh, they got um, a sick needler shirt. Hold yes, up. the needler's fine. Oh, I got the um the hammer though. The hammer. I might debut that on one of the episodes. I got the, I picked up the hammer and I picked up this one. But the um the the Halo joint, the yeah, I gotta get that 20, man. I Play like that needler. The needler's fire. I, yep, I see the yep, the needler's fire. Halo Infinite blanket. See, mm -hmm. they don't have mm -hmm. This might be no, this isn't it. They had the developers have a Halo Infinite hoodie that I think is yes. fucking Bro, legit. And I'm like, please else? sell that. Yes, they got the hoodie, and then shout out to his name. Oh, it's with a Q, something. On that Infinite, the part two, the one with Paris, shout out to Paris. That Remember when they did the Microsoft Bethesda part two, Paris hosted it? Remember yeah, yeah. that one? Okay. The developer had a, 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 a what, USNC jacket. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah. It was 
fire. Like, I wasn't even paying attention to the interview. I DM'd him. I mean, I tweeted him. I'm like, bro, you gonna have to find where we get the jackets yeah. at, man. <laughs> it was hot, man. I'm a, I'm a gamer merch anything right now. I'm trying to get my Ghost of Tsushima stuff next. Anything that's my favorite game franchise, I am picking it up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Shout out to Shorta. Yeah, that, 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 that's that's what I do, man. But yeah, you gotta get some stuff. Yeah, get some some drip, man. I I think I do. I I know Grounded. Let me see if they. Yeah, they don't sell it here. I. I remember Obsidian sent me a package with a grounded hoodie that I wear sometimes. Ooh. It's the one with like the orange sleeve and then the pink sleeve. It's the one nice. that Hoops wears, who's my favorite character in the game. Nice. And I think it's so nice. And I think it came from Meta. And Ooh. I know Meta has some pretty close ties to Xbox and their clothes. Maybe maybe find something for Halo there. Ooh. But yeah, they're doing a back to school sale now. If anyone's curious to so this yes. needler long sleeve, I'm 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 really scoping out. Man. About I'm to like, push the button. About I'm to push about to, the button. Yeah, I'm about to I think I'm gonna do this after the show, man. Yes. This needler shirt is fresh, but Bro, it's a dick thing, man. I, I they, when they they send me emails, I'm like, damn. Mm-hmm. I might have to pick that needle up. I might have to pick that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. Trust me. I know which one you're talking about. I know exactly which one you're talking about. And I'm kind of liking the Halo camo hoodie. I'm, yes. Oh, no. They got joggers. I wear joggers all the time. It's they got Xbox you. joggers. It's so. over. It's over. <laughs> it's oh, over no. for you, bro. It's oh, no. over. The gear shops are by kryptonite. Like, it's geek. I sit in there and I spend way too much time in there and way too much money and stuff always being shipped to me, which is gamer related. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One shop I used to frequent was uh, Bethesda. Bethesda, oh, I used to buy everything. Everything. Of course. Everything. Of course. Yeah. And Bioware too. Bioware's got some fucking good merch. I'm just like, hmm. Like they have a they have a wall bottle opener that's kind of got like Dragon Age stuff on it. I'm just like, yo, this is fresh. Bro, I got wait till you see the N7 joint I got coming. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 I got some N7 <laughs> drip, bro. It's bad. I just it's funny. I just ordered that like a week ago. Yeah, <laughs> like I got them. I'm in a Mass Effect bag again. I'm yeah. like, oh, it's so it's it's bad. It's an addiction, man. It's an addiction. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> All right, let's do our final question of the show. It goes to God bless the visionary Zack Snyder. Hey there, Duke, Maddie, and Lord Cognito. Not sure of the hierarchy there. <laughs> Just wanted to write in saying how much I appreciate your answers to last week's question of what is your favorite sandwich. I listen to quite a few podcasts on my way to work, and those few podcasts are with American hosts. And whenever this question comes up with the hosts, incorrectly, they begin to name chicken burgers and not sandwiches. As you guys know, because you are fine and distinguished gentlemen, a burger doesn't suddenly become a sandwich because you put a piece of chicken in the place of a beef patty. Same way when your mother used to make you fake McDonald's burgers as a child to shut you up and use sliced bread with a beef patty that didn't make it a burger. Maybe that was just my childhood. Something that people in America very often confuse, it's even spread to places like McDonald's and other fast food places you guys have. And I'm glad to see you guys are still sane. I haven't caved to the social pressure of these idiots. I mean that jokingly, by the way. <laughs> Love you both. Have a splendid day. I, I think, honestly, it's because the one thing that shrouded the whole conversation mm-hmm. was Rand had the audacity to say that my man was eating dry sandwiches with, like, yes. turkey and bread. Turkey I, and bread. I, that <laughs> stuck with me. I was actually thinking about it the other day. I was like, what? I was like, yeah, I was like, Rand, what? Oh, we spoke yeah. out. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, I... That to me is wild, right? Like yes. I, we can debate all day. What's a sandwich? What's a burger? It's been done before. We've mm-hmm. even done it here. But 
Rand and his turkey sandwich. I don't know if I'll ever get over that, man. I almost I want to go home and try it, right? Because I didn't get to ask him. I wonder if he's yes. having like you know, like there's sun dried turkey you can get as a cold cut. Like I got yes. some at Walmart. Those are yes. phenomenal. Yes. Like maybe there's a little flavor there. I get a little it, flavor, said, a little spice. Yeah, but he said no condiments. Oh. So he's just throwing bread and turkey Bruh. in there. Bruh. I, I, like, it's it, like chewing concrete. Yeah, it's like. Point. Oh, like cardboard. Like what, who does it? Like shout out to him, and I, I, I gotta, I gotta shout him out. I gotta call my boy out. My last word, co-host Ebontis is the worst. He is the app, like the no condiment crew. Like I'm like, it's so dry and drab with everything you do. Yeah. Like how do you live like this? I know, <laughs> and, and, you know. I understand the argument for some people is like, oh, it overpowers my meal. Sure. Sure, yeah, I'll give I'll give it to you then. Mm-hmm. But like that means that you just don't have a controlled hand. There you go. Yeah, you, know, you if you're if you're like going like this to your yeah. bottle of, of of ketchup and like squeezing it as hard as you can and you and you're soaking your burger, <laughs> whose fault is that? It's not co- it's not ketchup's bad. Yes, that's disgusting. You it know, like, just a light spread. There you go. A light spread. There that's you all go. you got to do, right? That's all you got to do. Take it from the basics, right? Everyone starts with their PB and J, right? Mm-hmm. You, and it's very easy to overpower, but learn the balance there, right? <laughs> Sometimes you do too much jelly, and you're like, "Oh, this is a wet sandwich. It's a yep. little too sweet for me." Sometimes you do too much peanut now, uh, peanut butter. Now it's a, a sticky sandwich. Mm-hmm. You're like, you're like smacking your lips the whole time. Once you get that good balance, though, you're like, "I get it. Control. This is the way. It's there a, it's go. a, it's the sandwich made of condiments. So start there, build up." Start putting ketchup on your burger afterwards. Yes, Start putting please. barbecue sauce on that chicken. And, yes, and, please. Yeah. Jesus. That, I yeah, have that's... a friend. Because mm-hmm. after, you know, I brought this conversation about Rand to a, a buddy. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's like, that's fine. He's like, I just have a hamburger on a on a bun. I'm like, that's that's so chewy. That's so chewy, man. <sighs> I'm like, where they I'm like, where did they do that? I I, I, I walked up like, who raised you? Yeah. <laughs> 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 like what happened? Yeah, I was right? like, were you that kid that when they put a condiment and you pushed it away? It was like, yeah. no, I don't like what happened? Where were the authorities, right? Yes. Because at that point they gotta be stepping in going, Look, I get it. You don't want to try this new thing, but it's good to try new things in life. Thank you know, you. spin it into a life lesson and suddenly they're a big <laughs> fan of ketchup. Like it's just that it's just that simple, man. Like I I'm a little I'm a little scared that we have a generation coming up that's maybe not a fan of condiments. Yeah. And we have older ones like Cog. Or um, not Cog, sorry, Rand leading us. Yes. No yes, condiments, yes. man. No condiment crew. We need Y'all need an intervention. We're here to help. Try some things. Try some spices, some sauces. Just a little bit. Like Maddie said, moderation. Just a little bit. Mm. Just try it. That's yes. all. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so with that, we leave you with our most important life lesson of our show's history. Mm-hmm. We hope you take it and run with it. Yes, please. With that, we wrap things up. Mm-hmm. We need a hashtag for this week's Ooh. show. As we always do, we we ask you to tag us on Twitter, write in the comments. Let us know that you got to the end. Yeah, you know, I don't know why it kind of stuck with me because that had nothing to do with the rest of our show. But when I said I support Walter, I was like, that kind of has some hashtag energy to it. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, that doesn't really. So what about, um? yeah, Walter's got to What about Spicy DD? Did we do that already? I think we. Did we do Spicy? I don't know if we did Spicy. Did we? I don't know. I feel like we did Spicy. We could do Merch. Merch, merch store. We do Merch DD. But we only had like a little segment on merch. Yeah, yeah. We had like a small one. Like, I feel only reason why I, run, I think I want to roll with spice. Just there's so much going on today. I yeah, think. you know, you know what? I like that because there were like about four good segments. You yes. said like I got a hot take, or this is getting a little spicy. 
I like yeah. that. Yeah, we'll do a spicy DD. You were getting, yeah, and, and getting I had to get the comment show. boys too because they was like, "Cog, I feel that sometimes he's too nice and he never." <laughs> no, y'all understand when I want to get spicy, I can get spicy. It's just well, not even that. It's like, dude, when you're nice and respectful, same thing we said. Like, it doesn't mean that you can't be critical. It just exactly. means exactly you handle it well. I think, and that's more important than always being a loose cannon. Sorry, go on. I no, you you nailed. It. I love that you said that because you you said it best it's like when the nice guy you know comes at something then mm-hmm. you really respect it more because you're like oh okay he's really being critical yeah. this is really he's really passionate about that and i think it, it holds more weight than just being argumentative for the sake of arguing being argumentative uh, of course yeah it, you know it's it's something that not a lot of listeners like when you're just purely argumentative because i think it, it there's no development in the conversation i look at a, a good example of this because it was recent and we can point to our very own colin moriarty Usually a very you know straightforward guy, mm-hmm. um, but he's not always losing his shit. And yes. when PlayStation started to enter these these darker times earlier in the year with oh, the stores and stuff, he, yeah. he there was a dedicated uh, discussion that was I think one of the most viewed videos yes. on uh, the Last Stand channel, and it was just him saying like what is going on and really yes. pressing PlayStation. I feel like I loved it. It really sat with me more as even a member who just I granted we work with him, but listening, mm-hmm. I was like yo that hit a little bit harder. Does. Colin doesn't go in like that often, and yes. so when he does, it 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 resonates a little bit more. You you listen a bit a bit closer. So I think we do the same thing here. I'd like to say, you know, maybe I I get a little I get a little worked up quicker than most. <laughs> you was uh, coming at Ray. Oh, uh, I feel yeah. bad for Ray. <laughs> <laughs> it's because now him and I are friends, right? Like we were already friends, but I'm saying like now him and I are talking more, so yeah. it's like. Now you're going to learn what it's like to be my friend. <laughs> exactly. Same thing. It's like, yo, once you get to the know me, I, he, once people get to know me, it's not all that. Like, I can't get spicy, too. So, yeah, I agree, man. That's what I love about developing Absolutely. friendships with people. You, you learn it. 100%. So, with that, much love to Rand, by the way. Of course. But love much love to our audience for listening to another show. We are going to have a big one next week, I imagine. So, be prepared. We hope to see all of you there. Once again, the hashtag is SpicyDD. Fire away on Twitter. Fire away over in the comments. Let us know just how spicy we got. We're looking forward to your feedback. And until next time, we'll catch you with episode 34 of Defining Duke. Take all right care of yourselves. And we'll see you then, all right? Peace, Peace. out. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from the United States of America. The show is conceived by Matthew Mr. Matty Plays Schroeder and me, Colin Moriarty, and is written and produced by Matthew Schroeder. Matty's co-host is Barry Lord Cognito Eversley. Defining Duke's executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Defining Duke, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level on Patreon, and we're thankful for your kindness and generosity. Andrew Morgan, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLVFMA, Jorge Palomino, Daniel Diamore, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Jordan Mittman, Tristan Palacios, Graham Plays, Christian Rodriguez, Jad Rita, Kurt M. Gillenberg, Patrick Skipper, Anthony Fuentes, Sweaty Mitt, John Russell, Chris Kelly, Avaristo One, Dustin Graff, Israel Pena, Peyton Stone, Roberto, Josh Allen Rui, Corbin Dallas, Tyler Watkins, Troilus True, Dan Root, Talisman, Randall Holsey, Robbie Nauman, Nuke Dukum, William Holt. 
Tolbert, Dr. Stump, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Callan Lennon, Daniel Johnson, H-Trons, an unofficial controller podcast, Ethan Davies, Jay Getter, Manuel Ochoa, Jeffrey Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Galja, Of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Saul Balcazar, Zach Parsley, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Martin, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Rinsler526, Ben B, TB Lightning, Anti Kinnanen, Taylor Barkley, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Evan Dalton, Zach Allum, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, Stewie108, D.B. Cooper, Cody Bradbury, Tom Cargill, Richter86, Michael J. Sutherland, Steve Hodge, Holfeldian, Ian Bravo, Noah J. Stevens, Barrett Boswell, Andrew Parker, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Mark Liberto, Johnny Waffles, Roto24, Blake Israel, Jonathan Coach, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Jay, Organic Produce, Travelus Archuleta, Shane St. Pierre, Carlos Algaret, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubber, Ray Lagia, Josh Yeager, Turbo Makes Games, Dan Parson, Martin Beck, Gavin, Brian Watkins, Joe Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Brody Rainey, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, David Everett, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lewin Ray Loper, Dylan Burns, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, Zach Binkley, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Yusuf, Anton K., Brian W. Rath, Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bello, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zaniga, Sean Battershall, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Kyle Thomas, James Kinsler III, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kinnison, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, David Mann, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, David Iacolucci, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Carson Peterson, Tyler Harris, Matthew Purdue, Patrick Harper, Mad Mock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming.